Hey, back in studio after an amazing Red Pill Expo. I'll be talking about that, giving you some updates and maybe giving you some insight as to when next you can attend. If you missed it, don't, don't ever miss that one again. That's coming up. Also, we have uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman. She is an MD psychiatrist. Talk, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, post-election depression, trauma. Is it PTSD? We'll go there and a whole lot of other places with her. And then we, uh, let's see, we should have Dr. Dana granberg Neil on. And she, if I remember correctly, is the doctor I, I sat with, talked to, who couldn't broadcast from it, but at the Reawaken America tour, that's working with Dr. Simone Cole, Gold on setting up the gold care stuff. And she is absolutely amazing. You'll find out how and why uh, in the second hour of the show. And who knows what Super Don's been up to, what we'll find out. Tell your friends the place for health, freedom, and healing liberty is right here, two hours a day, six days a week, cranking it up. Monday, a Monday, it's the 14th of November. How did we get here so fast? Y'all, we're going to have a great time on the show today. We'll look out for you in the chat room at robertscabell.com slash listen, and let's get it started right about now. Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, why not uh, crank up another edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show? It is Monday, and I'm feeling uh, light and happy. Uh, inspired, actually. Yeah, now Super Dunn's going to go. You make any baller- ballerina jokes there, Super D? You, I hear you. Uh, no, what's going on? The, the Red Pill Expo just happened. G. Edward Griffin, um, uh, a living legend, author of, of course, many books, Creature from Jekyll Island, and a world without cancer. And he started Red Pill University and the entire crew that helped set this thing up. Just amazing folks. And, it, it, you know, I wish there were thousands and thousands of people there, but not everybody's ready to, to be red pilled fully. And it, what do I mean by that? Well, look, I go to events, I speak at events, I MC events, and yeah, wide variety of people attend them. Most of them, most of them are focused on health and healing natural medicine. And that's my forte. My background is a homeopath, of course, having been raised pharmaceutically and then reborn homeopathically. But it, all of those events, of course, there's a wide variety of people there. And I, and I'm, I, I like that. I love meeting a diversity of people and interacting with them. But there are some events that are freedom focused. A lot of them are that I go to where there will be uh, mostly people that are you know ready to take responsibility for their life and their health and their freedom, but they're always a small percentage of whiny victims in the mix. And I'm not calling out anybody by name. I'm not saying, I'm just saying in a general sense, there's always a few that are like the still in the victim state of consciousness. And they're just like looking to be saved, looking that somebody could, could do for them, which only they ultimately can do for themselves. And I suppose this is the dilemma that we see as people are looking outside as we do from time to time, whether it be at the government or at the world or, at, you know, name, uh, you know, kind of something to focus on. And you, you find out you don't really like it and you feel like you, you have no control over it. You're, you're not empowered. You're disempowered. Like the election, which we'll talk about with uh, Dr. Carroll uh, this hour coming up. You'll see it in the show notes, by the way. Links are up, robertscottbell.com. If you get the newsletter, you already know where we're going. If you don't, text my initials, RSB, to 22828. Pull out your phone right now, not if you're driving, and then hit 22828 in the text 
and then hit enter. Then you go down to what you're going to text. You're going to text my initial RSB, my initial RSB for Robert Scott Bell. And then you'll be prompted to get your email address and then boom, you're in. You'll get the newsletter and you'll get lots of great information, empowering information. And, and, and why am I bringing up the whiny small minority that are going to freedom and health type events? Not to berate anybody, but just to juxtapose that with what I experienced at the Red Pill Expo this past weekend in Salt Lake City. The quality of attendee, the, how, how would I say, I, I didn't meet one whiny person that was going, oh, woe is me. I feel it's too much. I can't do it. And I'm not saying that none of us acknowledge, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on that looks pretty intense and heavy and hard or whatever. It, it wasn't that. We were, we, in fact, we tackle really tough subjects that are presented at some of the presenters. You're like, dude, they went deep on the research to get that out. I don't like what they found. At the same time, nobody came up in, in a state of, of uh, you know, I just, it's all too much. These were people that were ready to take responsibility or had already begun to prior to this event and were ready to engage. And I wasn't able to attend this morning, but the meeting following a planning meeting strategy session, I've heard it's pretty intense because people are ready to go. And there's even engagement and discussion and maybe even argument. And that's not wrong. That's not bad. In fact, that's what I wish we could do more of. Not that I'm like, because I'm an old Jewish guy or something. That's like, you love to argue, Robert. No, but argument in the sense of, you know, you have a passion for your ideas and the way you want to go about it. You throw them out with passion and yet you allow for others to also throw it out. And then you, you see what shakes out in the interaction, even in large groups. So you're, you're not afraid of that because there are a lot of people that are always the peacemakers. Now, I'm not talking about agents provocateur. That's a whole other scenario. The Sololinsky school. I'm talking about people that are genuinely they have the integrity and they want to achieve a similar goal. You know, that everybody's kind of rolling in the same direction. And that's what I found at the Red Pill Expo. And I say this to entice you. Yes, I do. To be at the next one. Not just watch it online. And it's cool to watch it online, but it to engage with human beings that are not living in fear is empowering. It's uplifting. It's, in, it's, it's exciting. And that's, again, what we experienced. Those of you who were with me at the event, you know what I'm talking about. In the midst of a lot of challenges, daunting things that we're facing, realities that we don't disavow, we're not cowering in fear. We're moving forward and in many ways not fighting head on something that is seemingly impossible in terms of brute strength to overcome. But like Buckminster Fuller, I mentioned this from time to time, rather than fight the old system that is decrepit and wrong and you don't like it, how about creating or co-creating a system that makes the other one obsolete. There were people talking about that, not feeding the beast. If you talk about government or what's perceived as government, Sherry Peel Jackson and others that were up there talking about the many, in fact, and it was like, nobody was afraid who had the people who had been through even being thrown in jail for things. And they've come out and they're like, I'm not afraid. I know more about it because of that experience. Like, dude, the human spirit shall not be abolished, especially in people that have been through the roughest and toughest of times. Now, not everybody rises to the occasion or challenge. Some, it takes a lot of repetitive, let's say, choices that you now look back and go, oh, it wasn't really smart or good, but it was done so you could be strengthened. 
And y'all, I just want to encourage you to find people that inspire you or be that people or that person that inspires yourself and others and come to the next Red Pill Expo. When is it going to be? Early June, 2023. Where, where, where? I don't know where. They didn't tell me. But the tickets are available the same way you got tickets and online streaming tickets before. Click on the links, get them, and they'll be at the same prices today as yesterday as the day before. But we can't promise that next year if inflationary spirals go up. You might be paying with $1 trillion in Bobway notes if you wait. So, by the way, it's fully refundable if you don't like the location, if you can't make it. So don't think you're committed. It's like, oh, my, I bought the ticket and I, I don't. It's like, I don't know where it is. It's going to be warm in June, wherever it's going to be. So I just wanted to open up on that before I go into uh, the lead story, which is uh, one that I've been railing on since I opened up the microphone in 1999. Statin drugs are stupid. And if you aren't stupid yet, stay on a statin long enough and you will be. Now, I know it may not be the exact de dictionary definition of stupid, but neurological damage, brain damage, neural degradation, Alzheimer's, MS, Parkinson's, all of these things can be at least, you want to point to a cause, at least a major contributing factor, if not a direct cause, statin drugs. Cholesterol-lowering medication is the, one of the stupidest class of drugs ever developed, and there are a lot of stupid ones. Super Don, did you see that um, slide image? I, I think I put it up on social media. Both, uh, you can grab it. It's one of my slides. I think it would be appropriate to show in the next minute or so before we bring up uh, Dr. Uh, Carol Lieberman. And this has nothing to do with her other than the, the general slide of those who would prescribe statin drugs and think that's a, a healthful thing. This is more or less why I call it a medical degree. Because these doctors that put you on statins aren't using the sense God may have given them. They abandoned all logic and critical thinking when they went and got, you know, half a million dollars into debt and realized that if they do what is right by their patients, they might lose the ability to repay that debt. Yeah, I mean, it's all, yeah, that's another aspect of what we learned at the Red Pill Expo with Dr. David Martin. My gosh, this debt-based system is set up for perpetual slavery. To engage in it, this is what happened to me 30 years ago when I woke up and realized, I was like, I can't contribute to this. This is, this is horrible. And I'm being nice about the words I want to say right now. There it is. There's the slide. Gave everybody a chuckle. Made some people uncomfortable. <laughs> not in this audience. Or, yeah, really not. Nobody was uncomfortable in the audience. Don't worry. I have a medical degree and I can poison you back to health. Really? What do you do when you graduate medical school? You have the power of the pen, a prescription pad. And you can poison people back to health. It's absurd. There is no such thing as an FDA-approved drug deficiency anymore that there, there is anything in the DSM manual, DSM 5, 6, 7, 8, or um, infinity. There's no blood test. There's no urine analysis. There's no hair analysis. There's no objective chemical test that tells you you have a, a deficiency of a, well, statin drug, but that's not necessarily psychiatry. But uh, if you're talking about psychiatric disorders to get you on an uh, SSRI. Look, it's your freedom to decide what you what path you want to go on. I get that. But the government, controlled and owned by the pharmaceutical interests, have set the stage for a monopoly, Monopoly Practice Act. So homeopathy, can't not allowed to compete. Herbal medicine, nah, nah, we can't, you can't put anything on a label that'll actually uh, indicate, you know, the, the use over a statin drug, for instance. You want to talk about depression? It's depressing to have no fat protecting your neurons. 
your brain is made up of fat more, cholesterol more than just about anything. And so this headline story, taking this common uh, medication long-term could lead to Alzheimer's. This is not me saying it, not that it was ever me saying it, even though I said it, but I was, it was in the medical literature from the day I became a homeopath. I realized how stupid statin drugs are. With that, we'll bring on somebody smart. Yes, she's also an MD. She's also a psychiatrist. And her name is Carol Lieberman. And uh, she's a forensic psychiatrist, expert witness. She has a lot of perspectives and opinions on a lot of things. And I'm going to have fun engaging with her on a lot of things, including post-election depression disorder. I just made that up. Carol, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you so much. There's a lot of stuff that you uh, were just talking about that uh, very interesting. Um, I, I never really thought about it in terms of the government giving loans for medical school that then enslaves doctors, but I can uh, tell you about um, how psychiatrists have, you know, what's been changing in psychiatrists Mm -hmm. and how it has to do with money a lot. Um, You know, there's been a change over the last 10, 15 years uh, where more and more psychiatrists, instead of becoming, instead of doing what what I was trained to do when I was a resident at Bellevue, Mm -hmm. NYU Bellevue, which is um, you do therapy as, as well as giving medication. You know, there's no, there's no drug that will cure somebody of anything um, psychiatrically or, well, I won't, I won't talk about medicine, you know, other kinds of medicine, but certainly psychiatrically, mm-hmm. a cure is not a medication. You need to have psychotherapy along with a medication if a medication is needed at all. Sure. So, when, when did they give up on, on talking, right, Carol, Dr. Lieberman, that, you know, the talk therapy, the idea that you could actually talk and unload burdens and, and, and you were, you were lifted, you know, some of these heavy birds that were weighing on you, yes. you, you could benefit without, again, these drugs that, um, certain psychiatrists, Peter Bregan have claimed that it could be killing half a million people every year, these SSRIs and the like. Well, I actually don't agree with that, but, but first let me explain what I was just starting to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so because insurance companies, you know, Obamacare insurance companies all got wise to the fact that they could pay a psychologist or a social worker or a marriage and family therapist less money to do therapy per hour than they would have to pay a psychiatrist. So what they decided to do was, I mean, that, that making that rule, I mean, paying very little for therapy, for talk therapy, um, then made psychiatrists go towards becoming pill pushers. And um, I refuse to do that. I won't see a patient unless they come to me once a week at least for psychotherapy. And if they need medication, I also give them medication. But, you know, so it really that there is so much, um, so many patients have, there's been so much damage done by these pill pusher psychiatrists. Um, and I'm not, uh, SSRIs and that, that whole thing is, is a slightly different subject, but I'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, the thing is what the typical, what happens now typically is someone goes to a psychiatrist, they don't get any talk therapy, they just get a prescription, they're told to come back, they're, first of all, they're seen for like a half an hour at most, and then they're told to come back in in, in a month or two months or three months, and they come back and they're not better. So what does the psychiatrist do? They throw another prescription at them and another prescription as they keep coming Mm -hmm. back and they're not better. And they never get better because it's not about the prescriptions. It's about the talk therapy. Mm. And so um, it has, it's really, you know, one of the things I do is I'm also a forensic psychiatrist. So I do various, you know, civil and criminal cases, including malpractice cases against psychiatrists. And um, 
And this whole, but this whole SSRI thing, it, it is connected in mm -hmm. the sense that it's not about that the medication itself is bad. I do not. I mean, I've treated people with SSRIs um, as well as all the other different kinds of psychiatric medications. Um, it's not about the specific medication. It's the fact that medi these medications are being given out without the talk therapy. So like, for example, when I was trained and it still is works today, um, you you were told, I mean, they knew then that you don't give people antidepressants, SSRIs or the other kinds that there are out there. You mm -hmm. don't give it to them without seeing them very soon after you start the prescription. Because in the first three weeks of giving someone an antidepressant, if someone has been depressed and they have suicidal thoughts, but they haven't yeah. acted on them, and then you give them an antidepressant, all of a sudden they have the energy to act on them. So it's not that the pills um, per se make them suicidal. It's that the pills make them more energetic. They act on these suicidal impulses because they're not in therapy. Well, I've seen it argued that it removes the governor on, uh, you know, those ideations on their behavior. Like normally people normally have suicidal thoughts occasionally, or even homicidal thoughts when they get angry, but, most people don't ever act on them. And then suddenly on the SSRIs, you see those ideations become behaviors. But it's not just the SSRIs. It's any antidepressant. And it's because of it activating the person, not because of any you know secret ingredient in the SSRI that makes them any worse. Well, know, Dr. Lieberman, I can activate a patient uh, with energy uh, supporting supplements, and it doesn't cause <laughs> them to act out on you know ideations like suicide and homicide. Well, what I mean is... I don't mean like, uh, you know, giving them more, you know, you can take what different kinds of energy pills, mm -hmm. but um, I don't, I'm just saying energy is kind of a generic sort of way. It activates their nervous system in an energetic kind of way. Let's just say. Yeah. I just like um, to know the, the details because with these SSRIs, um, like I said, there's no objective blood test. It's all behaviorally indicated based on I just have problem with the entirety of this thought that, that there's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibiting alteration, right? Yet the measurement of serotonin and all of these things, there's, there's not objective tests. That's what it's problematic to me. Cause I think of, of science and I think of objective tests, the ability and, and, and in talk therapy, I, I, I think that's so important, but to resort to these medications without looking at, Hey, what's the amino acid profile? What's their essential fatty acid deficiency? You know, what other things are happening nutritionally that could indicate the manifestation of emotions and mind and thought because well, the body, mind, spirit connection. Yes, I agree that you mm -hmm. you do need to look at other things that are, um, you know, at the body as a whole. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, again, it's not, I mean, I've been treating patients for years and antidepressants are very helpful. You know, there's this case um, uh, about a woman in that this just came to light recently. There was yeah. a woman in Belgium um, named Shanti Decourt, who was a uh, collateral damage of the terror attack at the airport, the Zaventem Airport in Brussels. And she didn't have any physical problems, you know, she didn't wasn't injured physically, but the trauma of it caused her to be depressed and have PTSD and panic attacks. And um, unfortunately, she did not have a treatment that, um, you know, the right treatment. She turns out she was on 11 antidepressants by the end. Yeah. Wow. And um, so she was so, so she was 17 when she was in the attack. Um, and then now she was 23. 
and she gave up on anybody being able to help her. And so she asked for uh, if she could have euthanasia, and they agreed to let her have that. Now, this is um, a tr an incredible tragedy. I mean, yeah. of course, it's tragic that she was a victim of the attack, but there was no way that she couldn't have been helped if whoever was treating her knew what they were doing. So, um, and now, you know, this kind of goes into... Um, other news about Canada allowing people with mental yeah. illness to ask for euthanasia, yeah. which yeah, is, this, this which to is me crazy. Sounds, sounds very like the Nazification in a, a concurrent or a current scenario where you talk about Western style democracy adopting uh, policies that, you know, when they went after the mentally ill and disabled and retarded, which we used that term back, way back in the day uh, for elimination. Uh, and, and it's like, whoa, is that back? Um, I have a dear friend, Scott Shera, whose daughter, Grace, uh, was murdered in a Wisconsin hospital. She was a, a Down syndrome child, but she was very well adjusted. She was driving. She's, you know, a young adult. And uh, in the COVID era, they it, it, you go into a hospital, you might not come out because of the remdesivir and, and vent protocols. And uh, we found evidence, as her father found evidence, that they actually put a DNR on her, not at the request of the family. Nobody asked for a DNR. And it was just like another one of those profit, uh, killing for profit scenarios that have happened in COVID. So we're looking at a you know a disastrous scenario, and then we took it take a look at you what you just mentioned out of Belgium, the allopathic uh, inclination for polypharmacy. It's like it's one drug. Okay, you had some level of testing, probably far more than COVID jabs, but when you start testing, well, actually not testing, prescribing two, three, four, ten, eleven. Have they ever been tested in double blind placebo controlled studies together? No, none. So it's all experimental. Well, yes, and you never need. I mean, sometimes depending upon what the person has. You sometimes might have two or three, but it's not for the same thing. I mean, you know, you might have an antidepressant and an antipsychotic, let's say if the person was in a manic phase of manic depressive illness or something like that, but not like you don't just keep piling on drugs and hope that one of them works. I mean, it's really, this is a, a, a major problem, especially because uh, it also relates to the homeless issue. You know, all the people, well, it relates to the issue that the state and county uh, chronic mental hospitals were, have been closed mm -hmm. with the um, delusion that people with schizophrenia and manic depressive illness or bipolar will continue on their own to go to outpatient clinics and get their medication refilled and certainly, you know, questionably therapy. So, so they're not, you know, once they use up the medicine that they got from the hospital, they, they don't get it together to get more. And so then, you know, it, it just, then they become psychotic and then they get into trouble, whether there's, you know, suicide or homicide or, right. um, yeah, no, it, all it, kinds it, of problems. None of these issues do I claim are simple, right? I, I, they're, they're very complicated. I just, as a homeopath, look at the, you know, obviously I, I you don't know, I was raised medically and pharmaceutically with medicine and pharmacy and doctors in the family. And I, I began to look because of my own health challenges and issues that, there was an absurdity associated with just throwing toxic poisons in the body. And I'm not saying that you do that wantonly. That's not my point. But my point is the, the profession itself is loath to look at because the training is not there and the profitability and the control by pharma is there uh, to utilize nutritional resources and options to remove heavy uh -huh. metals that could be contributing to depression on top of a, a traumatic events that are very emotional and real made worse by deficiency and toxicity. That's something that, you know, that training is completely devoid within traditional medical schools, allopathic, as we know, unless doctors go outside of that training. And yet then, as I pointed out, 
the control through licensing boards. Oh, your uh, prescription rates have uh, gone down, Dr. Lieberman. Uh, we need to know what's going on here. Uh, we we got to keep that, you know, these are real economic imperatives by those that pretty much own and control the education system. And then when you're out, the licensing boards. Yes, yes. So far, nobody has complained that I'm writing too few prescriptions, although I am always very, uh, very conservative in terms of prescriptions. Um, but, you know, this there this is a huge problem. And yes, the, the, but you know, when you were saying about, you come from a, a family of doctors, I guess it was the boy, you know, I couldn't help but wonder, mm -hmm. <laughs> Aha! it has to do with um, an Oedipal issue with your father. Was your father a doctor? Wow, my father was in a pharmaceutical industry. My uncle was Aha! a doctor. I loved him dearly as I still do. He's no longer with us, but he told me when I was young, knowing that I wanted to grow up to be a doctor, it's all I ever, you know, had had the desire to do. Uh, he told me not to become a doctor. He says, you will be miserable. He, he said it because he, of the government intervention, the things he was witnessing in the 70s and the 80s as a physician. He said, it's terrible. You want to go in and help people. And he knew my spirit. I wanted to help people. You're going to go in and you're not going to be able to respond to that. You're going to be told what to do. And the government's going to be involved even more before, well, well before Obamacare. And you, the doctor-patient relationship is destroyed by the third-party interveners. Yeah, uh, so yeah. in that regard, my own health challenges were not met well with drugs, which I was on for the first 19 years of my life, shots, surgeries, and things. And I found a way out with natural medicine and homeopathy and, and got well in two years after 24 uh, disastrous, chronically ill years. And so my journey is such that uh, you know I'm trying to help everybody, including doctors, break free of the drug cycle. If, you, if I can, and recognize that there's a place for everything and never say there's not, but trying to reduce the, our reliance on pharmaceutical interventions wherever possible. Yeah, I can understand that. So, okay. So your father was a pharmacist, was in the, in pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry. industry. Yeah. Yes. So, so okay. and I loved when him I was, too. So I wasn't mad at him for it. It was, that's what we grew up with. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm sure he, I don't He probably, you probably know, he probably told you about how it is true. And this became clear, um, clearer than ever with COVID, you know, with, uh, with big pharma trying to, uh, control people, you know, with all these vaccines and so on. Um, but it's like, it starts early drug reps come to the resident internship and residency programs yeah. of doctors and they give pizza parties and they give pens and they give pads and they give dinners. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of upped it now. Nowadays they give you dinners <laughs> and, uh, to, to manipulate you, to get you to be believe that they are a drug. And, and you know where it's really bad? Um, I see this with, talk about medical malpractice. Mm -hmm. I see this with um, doctors who aren't, I mean, it's bad enough. I just was telling you about psychiatrists being yes. pushers. But doctors who aren't psychiatrists, family doctors, who oh, decide yeah. to treat people for psychiatric problems because they want to keep kids patients. on the stuff. Yeah. They, they went. They're putting kids on this stuff too. Yes, yes, yes. And um, so, you know, so they, I can tell, you know, when it's somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, first of all, people should not go to uh, family doctors or any kind of a doctor other than a psychiatrist for medic psychiatric medication. But the thing is, I, you can tell which drug reps have been around lately. You know, there are certain drugs. By what they're prescribing. Yes. Yes. By what they're yeah. prescribing at a certain period of time, you know, ah, 
That's a person who just believes, you know, the latest drugs that are being the reps who are touting the latest drugs. They're, and they're they usually aren't. young and good looking former cheerleaders. <laughs> We've heard all of that and covered exactly, those stories exactly. over the years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but hey, look, I appreciate it. We're, we're talking with Carol Lieberman, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and she's been game. I just, you know, I said we kind of thought some of the things we might want to talk about today and I, I didn't give you any preview. I didn't know because like the spirit moves me to talk about things. This is the show. This is the way it rolls and it's conversational and you're rolling with it. I appreciate that so very much. You know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was post-election. Uh, I call it maybe a stress disorder. I'm just making it up right now because we can make up new things. The DSM won't, won't mind. Uh, and we'll talk about how to deal with that. But first, I just got to make a quick mention of some of those folks that support this message of health, freedom and healing liberty on the Robert Scott Bell Show, including our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. And they're going to have the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, virtual expo, February. I believe it's 18th and 19th. I think I sent an email to Super Don on forwarded to me. But uh, this will allow you, whether you attended the Chicago event in October or not that I spoke at, and we had so many great people on, whether you attended it or not, you couldn't see everything that happened there. The virtual expo gives you access for, I don't know, maybe like six months of all of the lectures and presentations. Plus, we'll be doing some new live presentations during the virtual expo. Uh, that's at February 18th and 19th of 2023. And I think there's some early bird discounts to get plugged into that. And uh, there'll also be some additional lectures submitted that weren't able to be done at that time. And it's a wonderful opportunity to, you know, access some of the folks you may already know and want to hear about and some new folks that are really terrific. Uh, so that's coming up. Our friends at Nutritional Frontiers have amazing, scientifically validated supplements that were, were uh, well, they give you a discount because you're part of the Robert Scott Bell Show. RSB15 is the discount code, nutritionalfrontiers.com, as well as our friends at Orange Guard, Tor McPartland, who gave away a gallon of this stuff last week because all y'all that bought some sent us pictures. This is a delimiting-based pesticide, EPA-regulated that causes no cancer. In fact, the limonene as an ingredient tested at the University of Arizona to found it's anti-cancer. Imagine a pesticide that can take care of the bugs, the 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 um the ants and the roaches and things in the house and not harm your kids or your pets. That's good toxicology. Orangeguard.com, get it at your local Ace Hardware store and your Whole Foods or just direct at orangeguard.com. All right, thank you for uh, that pause there. Uh Dr. Carol Lieberman and uh, this election, you, you, we talked briefly before we went on the air about the anticipation, like for those that are more conservative leaning, whether they're officially Republican or not, are going, hey, there's something wrong. Inflation's bad. Economy on and on. And they're like, hey, red waves come in. A lot of people said red waves come. A lot of predicted red wave. And then it's like, oh, it didn't happen. The House of Representatives barely flipped and the Senate looks like it's been the balance or maybe it didn't flip at all. And it's like, what do you do when you're dealing with that trauma of oh, it's going to be great now? And, oh, man, they pulled the rug out from under what I thought was going to happen. Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, I think part of the problem uh, why that happened is because there was all this uh, media coverage. Oh, there's going to be a red wave. I think a lot of people who, you know, would have voted for the red wave didn't bother because they thought, well, it's in the bag, you know, or they don't need my vote. I'll just stay home. It's raining. So um, it really is very, this, this country, it's just so, you know, this, this was like the hope, like people were hanging in there until the midterms, hoping to make this, take this country back to make it sane again. Um, and, and instead we're being, you know, led by someone who has, 
encroaching dementia. Um, and we are all just going along. And, you know, after after it didn't materialize, the red wave, um, now, of course, there are all these uh, stories about how Biden is so excited and he's, he's definitely going to run in 2024. There is no way, unless maybe he takes some of the things that you're <laughs> some of these um, organics. I mean, I'm right. some natural There's- supplements to restore brain function. Cause the yes. guy is fully, <laughs> not fully there. I, I just, it's hard. And I, I'm not saying it as a psychiatrist making a diagnosis, but Hey, you've got some track record and practice there. What do you see in Biden? Well, I have been saying this seriously. I have been saying this since he was running for president when he was in his basement I was trying to warn people back then that he has what I call encroaching dementia. And since then, it's been encroaching ever more. Now, you know, the way I've never met Biden, you know, I have to say that, of course. I've never met him personally, although I did write an op-ed inviting him to um, take a cognitive test that I would give. He has not called me back yet. (laughs) Waiting for the phone to ring. But... um, you know, as part of my work as a forensic psychiatrist, uh, I have cases where the question is whether someone was competent, like to sign a will, for example, you know, if kids are arguing over a will, and one of them who got left out says, well, daddy wasn't competent when he signed that will, and then they, you know, file a lawsuit, and then I get called in to evaluate the person. Um, or sometimes the person is already dead, and I have to evaluate them through the re- medical records. So, so I know the kinds of things to look for. Now, back then, it was a little uh, more difficult to look for these things. But nowadays, I mean, there is something, there's at least one thing every day that someone, you don't have to be a psychiatrist to see that this man is not working on all cylinders and is making so many, um, so many, you know, they called them gaffes, right? He is making so many, they're more than gaffes. I mean, he has memory problems. He has confabulation, which is when you make up stuff because you realize you don't know the real answer and you hope people don't notice. He has emotional volatility. Um, you know, he yells at people and, and he gets heard saying things on a, on a mic, an open mic. Um, he had the worst thing that he has, the worst sign of dementia that he has, worst in terms of uh, endangering our country, is that he has uh, very little abstract ability left. I'm not sure how much he started with, but he has very little left. And that is the kind of intelligence that, or way of thinking, ability to think in a way where you can hold different scenarios, different strategies in your mind at the same time. It's like what chess players use. You know, they're able to think ahead, many moves ahead. If I do this, they'll do this, and then I could do this. And we saw, the whole world saw that he doesn't have any abstract ability when he did the horrendous, um, uh, disaster in Afghanistan. He had this one idea, you know, plan A, and when plan A wasn't working because the Taliban were coming through Afghanistan, he didn't have a plan B, and he didn't want to listen. He was too uh, rustled, ruffled, you know, too frazzled to listen to what his advisors were telling him. So there was no plan B or C, and, you know, it was a disaster. Right. Well, yeah, I don't see how he'll function full the, the next two years to, to make it to the next election cycle. But I've been surprised that he's lasted this long, quite honestly, yes, with how embarrassing is it that, you know, um, the American people have said, yeah, that's the best we got on one side of the other, the political aisle. It, but we can go back at other presidents that maybe had full functional cognition and go, what the hell were they thinking? Or were they thinking? Uh, so that's an ongoing issue. But again, the depression associated with my guy lost, or my gal lost and on and on it goes, you know, what, what are some other coping mechanisms 
And I mean, I would argue, you know, get out there and hit a heavy bag, go exercise to dissipate some of the emotional angst and energy and even anger. I mean, these are practical non-drug approaches that I, that I tend to, to be. This is what we're all about here, of course. Well, it depends upon um, what your personality is like. If you like to um, examine things, you know, if you want to get to the bottom of things, then before you can do some of these things that we, you know, uh, tell people to do for stress of any kind, like, uh, you know, like the exercise or like going in nature or like eating healthy or like, you know, the basic kinds of things, before you can just go off into that, like a lot of people are stuck in the spot of trying to figure out, well, what happened? You know, how did this happen? And it is, of course, worthwhile to try to figure out how this happened, um, you know, because because so that it could be better the next time. I mean, you know, think about, for example, um, the people in Pennsylvania who voted for Fetterman over Oz. Um, Fetterman, I mean, part of the problem was that a lot of people sent in ballots early before they saw the debate. But even those who did see the debate, I think a lot of people felt sorry for him and they thought, ah, he'll be better by the time he has to, I'm sorry, what? A sympathy vote? Yes. Um, You know, he'll get better by the time he has to, you know, do the work and so on, which I'm not really sure how true that is. But um, I mean, I think Dr. Oz, you know, of course, Oprah coming out against Dr. Oz (laughs) did not help any, um, even though she was the one who, you know, brought him to fame in the first place. Um, But so, you know, there are all these quirks that happened. Who's another one? Let me just see. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, in New York, this is the one that really killed me the most. The Kathy um, Hochul victory for governor. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now I am a born and bred New Yorker, even though I live in California right now. I was a New Yorker for about six years, zero to six years of age. <laughs> oh, well, I was there. Um, I was there for most of my, I was there before, up until I went to medical school. Um, and, and then I came back actually to do my internships and residencies in New York. Um, it, so yes, I mean, so I read the New York Post every day as well as other things as too. But, um, but I see the disaster, the destruction of New York. It is so heartbreaking. I mean, every day you see the pictures. It's not like they're just writing about these things. You see the pictures of people in the street shooting each other in broad daylight. You see the stories of people, you know, who were arrested many, many times and let out the same day. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and how could... It, it does boggle my mind. I'm not, I don't really have an answer for this one. Like, how could the people um, still vote for a governor who has said uh, that I want to she... lock you up? <laughs> you know, she's voiced with this idea of being able to lock you up under the suspicion that you've been coughed on. And, you you know, you don't want to get a well, test. Yes, or, that, yeah. but also not lock you up if you've committed a crime. Well, yeah, yeah, real I mean, she's crime. spoken yeah. about that, how, well, you know, we don't really, they shouldn't be locked up. And, and you know, the people who get pushed off the, the railroad, the uh, subway tracks, for mm-hmm. example, pushed onto the tracks or, or all kinds of other attacks, uh, um, you know, how is it that they could vote for her when she, they know what she's going to do, which is more of the same, which is having, you know, a DA endorsing a DA that is going to keep sending the people out back onto the street, no matter how many times. And that's the, the thing that really is the killer, literally. Is, it, is this <laughs> like people that are, are so locked into one party? And right now we're talking like the Democrat psychosis that they can't do anything else but continue to vote despite right. the abuse right. heaped on them for doing so? Right. 
Right. I mean, yes, that is, you know, really the only explanation that one could come up with, because certainly not, they don't really, you know, if you ask them, well, do you think things are going to improve this next term? I mean, they'd have to say, I mean, they're maybe deluding themselves and thinking yes, but um, mm -hmm. no, people just get locked into a certain party and um, keep keep voting for that party, regardless of how destroyed New York and the rest of uh, so many other cities. Well, and uh, you're in are. California, right? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So you, you got into New York West. Um, yes, now, exactly. I wanna, Newsome, Newsome. Uh, yes. I want to ask you uh, three words put together that we hadn't heard before the last couple of years. I think we, I first heard from Dr. Robert Malone. Mass formation psychosis. Yes. Yes. Was there an official DSM definition of that or something within the psychiatric Bible or world? Or is that something that has evolved to describe things over the historical times to contemporary times as what's happening here? Well, you know, there is no specific diagnosis exactly mass formation, formation, formation yeah. psychosis, but there's like mass hysteria, which is kind of similar. Mm -hmm. um, and people just, just drink the Kool-Aid, basically. And they, they you know, for whatever reason, they just, uh, uh, I mean, yes, and we saw that happening with, I would like you're going to have your next guest, I, I presume, talking about, uh, you know, the, the vaccines and so on and this whole I mean, people and people are, you know, what kills me, people are still getting the vaccine, even though it has been proven to not help. I haven't gotten the vaccine. I don't plan to get the vaccine. And um, you still have critical thinking skills intact, though. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, and, and, you know, there's been news. I mean, granted, it's not in the mainstream media, but. Um, there has there has been news coming out about the dangers of the vaccine. People getting all kinds of side effects, getting killed actually sure. by, after taking. I, it. I think it's accessible, even as mainstream media has kind of suppressed that reality. I think it's so widely discussed, and unless you don't want to see it, and that that could be a form of, uh, you know, I don't know, cognitive dissonance. That's another way to describe a lot. And it reminds me also of um, I forget who originally said this that men go mad in groups. And only regain their in, their sanity one at a time and and very slowly, uh, and, and so that goes to mass hysteria. This idea that you know when you become yeah. part of a group, you can become the foment the the wildness of the animal brain activating as opposed to these higher levels of going. Is this a good idea to do this as opposed to just go along with everybody else because right. you want to yes. fit in, or they coerce you by threatening your job, your freedom to travel, your freedom to go to a restaurant, any number of things that yeah. you value, and now you have to make a value decision based on. Well, what do the experts say? And the official experts all said, get the shot. The renegade experts, even among the medical community who dared to say, no, this, the, it, this is not adding up. Here's the science I see. Here's the clinical observation I have. Yet yeah, they, they were denigrated. So if you went with uh, the masses, right, like democracy, that determines what's right or wrong. 51% says something is right, even if it's clearly not scientifically validated. Well, that's democracy. You know, minority, sorry. Uh, and that's a dangerous scenario. Again, a mob rule scenario. Yes, yes. Oh, we're getting closer and closer to, uh, I mean, we are in 1984 and, and all the other, you know, kinds of um, surreal sorts of things as well. You know, one thing, I don't know, I know we're jumping around, but um, you said something that may, uh, in the, your monologue about mm -hmm. being an old Jewish guy. And that made <laughs> me arguments. think. When? About arguments, like, yes, you know, yes. two old Jewish but, guys arguing. It's like, yeah, right. we love to argue, right? No, right, little. right. <laughs> well, you know, one thing we could argue about, well, I mean, I don't know that you're going to disagree. Well, I don't have, I mean, I have a, um, there are different ways. I don't necessarily have a strong opinion, but mm -hmm. 
the the Dave Chappelle right. monologue. Yeah, I heard um, about that. We haven't talked about that yet. What was your perspective on what he said about Trump? That was fascinating. Oh, well, yes. Wait, 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 wait I'm just. Wait, oh, no. Go to where you want to go first and we'll come back to that. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I watched the whole thing and I know okay. he said things about Trump. I just can't remember. Um, well, because I was I was thinking about what he was saying about Jews. And um, it's really very interesting I, you, when you look at how people have reacted to his monologue. I mean, mm -hmm. on the whole, I don't think it was good for the Jews, <laughs> but um, because um, because it really continued uh, through more uh, fuel on the fire of anti-Semitism. But you really couldn't tell by the end whether he was for Kanye and Kiri or mm -hmm. whether he was for the Jews. I mean, um, at the beginning of his monologue, he said this thing about, you know, it was like it was wink, wink to Kanye. If you want to um, keep going, you know, like, don't be so uh, don't be so harsh on the Jews. There's a way to say things without getting them all the, mm -hmm. the, Holly, the Jews that control Hollywood, you know, the getting them uh, not getting them on your back. So that was not cool. But. But then there were things, lots of things that he said about Kanye too. Um, so, but so d different people have written about this, and depending upon whether they saw it as his being more in favor of Kanye or more in favor of the Jews, they yeah. had different opinions about whether it was going to add to the anti-Semitism. What do you think? Well, and that's the fascinating thing about uh, perception becoming reality. Uh, you know, I, I've had been at some events that I mentioned, you know, today, uh, the weekend, there were a lot of people that were just not into victimhood at all. And they were like, I know it's tough. I know we got to trap, but we're going for it. And I felt this is great to be among those kind of people. And we don't all have to agree on the way the methods we can argue about them, in fact, but we realized that, you know, we're in it, I believe, uh, for, or perceive for the right reasons. Uh, so when we go to issues like Jews controlling Hollywood, or if I, as you know, uh, my mom's from Israel, you know, and I talk about. Israel. And I'm like, yeah, there's some problems with the Israeli government. I got no problem talking about it. Does that make me sound now suddenly a, a self-hating Jew? I criticized years ago, uh, the daily show guy who was, who was the daily show host, the good one, but John Stewart, right? He was railing against, uh, the rich housewives of Marin County who happened to be mostly Jewish because they weren't vaccinating their children. Mm. And I, and I said, you know, he is utilizing Nazi like tactics to, you know, to kind of get them to behave the way he wanted them to behave. And I didn't call him a Nazi. I know John Stewart is Jewish as well, but I made the world Jewish press. Jewish talk show host calls John Stewart a Nazi because we couldn't engage intellectually in talking about um, tactics and things that are similar to things. You know, it's like the words are triggered and people don't want to hear yeah, what they mean. So in the case of a, 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 a comedian that I respect immensely, and I found him very intelligent, who did that monologue on uh, Saturday Night Live this weekend, um, I would want to engage further. You know, I want to engage, have the opportunity to ask questions. And even those that heard it one way or heard it the other, let's talk about why we heard what yes, we heard. Yes. What's, you know, for me, that's a fascinating journey. And we learn, and I think we're better for that because everybody is yes. going to perceive it differently. Yes. You know, and when you think about it, in the Catskills, I mean, some of the world's best comedians who were Jewish, but they would talk about, make jokes about Jews. Now, granted, it helped that they were Jewish and, you know, wasn't as somebody else. Somebody I, I think we've become so hypersensitized, honestly, uh, you know, that we, we, we just, we used to be able to joke with one another, make fun of ourselves that. and each other. Yeah. And we need 
need that, you know, mm. at a time with cancel culture and everything else where we're at each other's throats, you know, we need to be able to laugh at it. That was, that was the good part of it. Like when you, I mean, it's really hard for stand-up comics these days yeah. because you can't make fun of anybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know like a guy like Bill Maher there, who's very liberal in his leanings. He claims to be libertarian has really spoken out and said, you know, I'm just disgusted by all the hashtag woke leftist Democrats because you can't say anything as a comedian anymore. And that's yeah. not healthy. I mean, if you, if you curtail laughter because you're offended, we don't have a right not to be offended. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I mean, I, I know that we need more, if anything, we need more laughter. Yeah. And I, again, I, I'm like you said, it, I'm, you, it's hard to offend me. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. But I'm like, I don't try to take these everything personally, even if somebody makes Jewish jokes and things like that. I try to step out of them and go, all right, let, look, can we laugh at each other? Can we laugh at ourselves? Can we be a stronger generation? Like we become so weak and a feat, so to speak. And th that's something else I would talk to you about. I know we're going to run out of time before we can get into the, the gender dysphoria and all of this, uh, uh, you know, grooming people to believe that used to be girls who were tomboys were tomboys. Right. Now they're like, oh, no, no, we need to make them boys. Right. Surgically. They, they I mean, really want to be boys. Yes. I, I mean, yeah, that, that's a whole other thing. By the way, the thing I remembered, I saw a, a brief clip of the Chappelle yes. uh, monologue was about Trump and the debate. He, he was trying to explain why Ohio white people really love Trump. He said I they had never heard anybody say this. Oh, speak yes, like this, yes. Right? And now he I said remember. something like in the debate with Hillary that right. the game, it's all rigged. The system is rigged. You know, and, 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 you know, Hillary comes back, you didn't pay your tax or whatever. How do you know? Or no, it was the, uh, the moderator. How do you know it's rigged? Why do you say right. that? Because I, I'm, I use that system. Yes. And, and Chappelle said, yeah, he admitted he knows the whole system, but Obama and, and Hillary were pretending it wasn't right. Which was a, a clear lie to Chappelle. That is what I love about Trump too. I yeah. mean, he is like a bull in a China shop and that does turn people off some people off but um he tells it like it is and um i think our country needs him back i don't know why you know trump and um and desantis have to get along i know they've been uh you know saying not such great things about each other but it would be if trump was ran for president again yeah. And DeSantis ran for vice president. That would get four more years of Trump and eight more years of DeSantis, or twelve more years. You're looking at when, political strategy here. Yes. Yes. When that. DeSantis would then later run for president. So, but like, when, it, when have you seen Trump be magnanimous in that regard? I mean, he's a he's a cold stone killer when it comes to someone who perceives is going after what he wants. Right. That is yeah. true. He would. I think he needs to come to me for therapy. <laughs> Yeah, go, yeah, please. go see Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, uh, Carol, look, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation together. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Um, you know, you come from a, you know, that medical psychiatric background and your willingness to engage in this discussion for me is a lot of fun. And I appreciate you for doing that. Is there anything that you're promoting now or your own website? If people want to learn more about you, we have links in the show notes, of course, at robertscottbell.com. Okay, sure. Um, terroristtherapist.com. We didn't get into that really, but we can maybe talk about that some other time. Since 9-11, I've become the terrorist therapist helping people cope with terrorism and prepare for the next terrorist wave. Um, and that, so terroristtherapist.com and drcarol.com, which is D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E.com. Yeah, there it is. Uh, there we go. Yeah. And, um, and expert witness forensic psychiatrist.com. One of these days, I'm going to take the time to put them all into the same website, but I yeah. haven't had the time. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. We've got you linked up again. Thanks for uh, 
engaging in the discussion we had today. I appreciate you so much. And uh, maybe we can talk again, uh, certainly these, these upcoming elections and, and the things that are happening afterwards. There's plenty to discuss. We'll never run out of things. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, Dr. Carol Lieberman on the Robert Scott Bell Show, first-time guest. Thank you for being on board. Uh, we've got a whole other hour of broadcast healing coming up. We've got another physician who's working with uh, Simone Gold in the Gold Care Clinics. I met her at the uh, Reawaken America Tour uh, last week, and uh, she's terrific. I can't wait to talk to her about what's going on. Also, uh, we've got some questions of the day happening as well. I don't think I can squeeze it in. I know we, we've got our Monday uh, simulcast with uh, TV coming up as well, but let me take a look and see if I can see these questions of the day real quick. I see them. Yes, I do. This one is from Bill, and he's asking here, says, Hi, guys. Is there a difference between touchstones, fulvic minerals, and choose to be healthy, missing link minerals? Uh, all right. First and foremost, the touchstone fulvic minerals is a liquid suspension, more of a colloidal suspension. And so it has a different kind of interface. We like them both. I use them both. And the missing link is in its kind of a, that, that powdered state, that, that you know, state that it is found in the natural world. So there's valid use for both. They're not in conflict. Uh, if you want to use one or the other, try each and find out how you're doing. You know, I always say that because neither of them are bad. They're both amazing products. And they might be some crossover in terms of their functionality or their content. But the colloidal state is different than the mineral state in the fulvic and, and humic acid state of the uh, uh, missing link, which you get, by the way, from choosetobehealthy.com. Use the discount code RSB5 at choosetobehealthy.com. When you speak with Jonathan there, you can call 866-424-1077. Also, Bill says, I heard you speak about zinc. Should we take a zinc supplement from Choose to Be Healthy or will taking zinc interfere with the copper? Thank you. Now, I take the uh, Mega Foods brand zinc that I get from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com. I just take one tablet a day. I don't even remember the milligram content. It's not much, but it's in a 100% whole food state. So it's enough. It's adequate to facilitate the zinc needs as a supplemental source of zinc. And yes, I also take the bioactive sovereign, oh, but the bioactive copper hydrosol, the sovereign copper. And we were, we were pouring shots of copper all weekend at the Red Pill Expo. It was awesome. And I'm glad everybody got a hold of that and knows about it now. And it's cool because I had a, a couple of physicians come up to me at that event and said, thank God you're talking about copper. No one's talking about copper. So there are others that are now figuring out we have severe copper deficiency. Uh, so there's not an interference, but it's if you are taking any form of zinc, you just got to have copper. People are taking the wrong form to excess. You even more desperately need it. And very few people are eating liver. All right, let's see. We got another question here. This is uh, from Kat. I have a severe dry eye syndrome and I'm desperate to heal it. I have tried several conventional eye docs that could not help me with their treatments. No eye drop has helped me as I'm not surprised about that. Uh, I'm not surprised about that. I am more open to natural healing anyway. I do trust homeopathic remedies. I am now trying Belladonna 6C for my eyes as suggested online. I just started it today. What do you think is best for this issue? Well, yeah, Belladonna could be in indicated. It's, it's interesting because most people know of Belladonna. It's like the childhood fever remedy not like aspirin, but a childhood fever remedy. And Belladonna is an excellent remedy as a homeopathic. Some people go, well, Belladonna, it's toxic. It's going to kill you. Not as a homeopathic remedy. The 6C is not going to be toxic. So um, yes, that can be taken orally. And there are, I believe Similison has some homeopathic dry eye drops formulas, uh, but associated with macular degeneration, other things, I talk about connective tissue integrity, 
the vascular system, right? As well as the lymphatic system and endothelial tissue. And I come back to this cardio miracle, cardio miracle, not kidding. You want to talk about circulation to the eye and the lack of it resulting in degenerative and inflammatory uh, pathways of expression resulting in diagnoses. My gosh. Yes. And of course I always come back to the copper and the selenium. Copper and selenium being critical for all cardiovascular integrity. And when you talk about mitochondrial production, copper of ATP, copper and magnesium. But also silica or silicon. Now, we get the silica from a 100% whole food source. That's Alta. And I still get that from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com as well. Now, none of those things you put in the eye, although it'd be interesting to put them in the, the copper hydrosol in your eye. I'd love to hear back from you on that. We're about to uh, transition to hour two. Stand by. Three, two, one. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Get ready to simulcast with you on Brideon.tv. Two hours a day, six days a week here. RobertScottBell.com. And one hour of those awesome hours is right here with Brideon.tv as well. Thank you for being here. We've got a physician set up. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to hear from her today, Dana. Grandberg Nil, and she is working with Simone Gold with Gold Care. And I met her at the Reawaken America tour, thanks to Clay Clark. She was terrific. A heart, you want to talk about a heart of gold, knowledge, amazing. I was just like, I wanted to do a show right there, but we had no internet. So here we are. I'm planning to do it today with you, with her, with all of you. And we've got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell show in, in this hour. Sign up for email alerts or what we call newsletter, by texting RSB to 22828. Send my initials, RSB, to 22828. And since it's World Diabetes Day, I'll tell you how to prevent and reverse it as well, because the power to heal is yours. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, it is World Diabetes Day, so we'll talk about that. But first and foremost, I need to hear from my humble and lovable producer, Super Don. Where you been, my brother? Hey, I've been so busy. Hey. I haven't seen you all weekend with the Red Pill Expo going on. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, sounds like you had a good time, dude. I totally want everybody that's ready to be there next time because it is just the the quality of people that were there. As I say, no whiny collectivists. No whiny commies were there at all. And they weren't prohibited from being there, but they just were not drawn into it at all. Um, there were some people that were woke that would walk through the convention center and even people that worked there that did not like us being there. I heard some even had got fired for not doing their job. Really? So I didn't personally encounter that, but I talked to some of the staff. They were having some interesting things going on. Apparently, the wow. Red Bull Expo and G. Edward Griffin, the, you know, he, we talked remember, about anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish stuff. Apparently yeah, there were some articles written about that event. Yeah, uh, they tried to reading. slander. Oh, they're anti-Jewish people. I was like, well, there are plenty of Jewish people there, too. A lot of Jewish people there. <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. I, I, self-hating know. Jews. Yeah. So that was an interesting <laughs> discussion with Dr. Lieberman last hour. And, you know, certainly a lot of areas of psychiatry we would not see eye to eye on. But I, I think. And you didn't. And it was, very, yeah. you know, it was very interesting, you know, uh, to to listen. Mm -hmm. Right. To, to, she was defending SSRIs mm -hmm. and, and antidepressants when condemning. Uh, vaccines yeah. and, and things of that nature, or it wasn't that she had a problem with SSRIs, but too many SSRIs. Sure, right? yeah. That, that 
Yeah, so it was it was kind of interesting, and it was funny because I was kind of squirming a little bit mm-hmm. because she was sitting on hold, like waiting to come on, and you start slamming psychiatry and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, this ought to be good. I was no, I gave her props. Honestly, she stuck oh, out. She stood there, and it was some a great people, conversation. Some people would be offended by that, and she took it in stride. No, and, I thought and you guys I, ended up having. It was a per, you know what? It was a teachable moment, mm-hmm. right? You can have two people that disagree, yeah, just completely. On one thing, but then you guys agreed wholeheartedly on other things, right? I love the fact, and that was not staged or planned, Super D. You know that. When we had this, this was one of those. I don't think this one came through Kevin, if I'm not mistaken. This was like another PR agency that connected us. This was was the PR agency that uh, AJ Rice. uh, Yeah. And, and and so we rarely ever do that, but super Don, you thought, Hey, this could be interesting, whatever. And it is, it's a fascinating discussion and topic. Uh, and you know, I talk all the time about, Hey, can we find things in common with people with whom we disagree on a lot of other things and be cordial, respectful and engage, even argue. And it was like, yes, we can. And we used to do that in Gen X. And now it's like to do, you can't, you got to cancel each other out. So, uh, that was an unexpected interaction in that way to show what can be done. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. So uh, I, I know we want to talk about World Diabetes Day, but I want to ask you, you know, what's going on this hour? Any updates that I need to know about with uh, Dr. Dana granberg Neil? we are going to have on this hour? Uh, yeah, I don't know if her camera's going to work or what's going on. She's connected. She uh, just landed. She's in a in a hotel, uh, oh, using a okay. hotel a computer and, and all that stuff. So there may be possibly an issue. If it is, we can do it as, by phone, As right? you know, we can do it by phone. Yeah. That's something exactly. we're able to do right now. And so we've, we've been communicating behind the scenes. So we're going to give it a shot. And okay. if it doesn't work, then she knows. That we'll be able to 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 connect uh, by phone. Okay, cool. Well, that, I love that option. And again, that's thanks to all y'all that support us, that are patron supporters as well as direct donators. When we put out the plea, the help we need, updated boards, and now we have a board that we allows us to do phone call interviews and take calls. Although yep. you know, people are afraid to call in because they're so intimidated by you, <laughs> not me, you, Super Don. Yep. Look at you, look at you, Mister Intimidation. What? Am I intimidating? Look at that face. Aren't you scared? Everybody he frightens small children. No, he doesn't. He's got grandkids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have kind of a Unabomber thing going on. <laughs> no, you, well, you are in Oregon. Um, yeah. uh, we better stop there. Uh, All right. <laughs> All right. World Diabetes Day. Uh, and then we'll, bring, we'll, we'll attempt to bring Dr. Dana in in a moment. Uh, so just as a reminder, and I'd say this because we have a long-time listener who's been with us for years. And for those of you who are new, uh, perspectives on diabetes are different here than via the allopathic medical model. While we can acknowledge the physiological realities of various forms of diabetes, type one, type two. When we talk about what's called type two, it's primarily as we've identified a gross deficiency of minerals, in particular, the mineral called chromium, which when it's in the hexavalent form, you see a movie by Julia Roberts and you go, Oh man, chromium is dangerous and toxic. Uh, where she was playing that activist. Uh, I can't remember her name, but then I re- I forgot Dave Chappelle's name. You know, the names are just escaping me right now. But uh, that activist that they did the movie about her, Aaron Brockovich. That Aaron came Brockovich. There you go. But you remember that was all about hexavalent chromium, a toxic movie. form of a mineral. Yeah, and and yet chromium as an essential element is critical. Without chromium, diabetes type two is everywhere. Why do I say that? Well, if you've read Unlock the Power to Heal. Oh, and I'm seeing Dana might have found a way to get her camera working. This is exciting. We'll, we'll be able to get her on. It looks like. Um, but when we talk about chromium why is it necessary why is it an essential trace element and i'm not saying it's only one thing because there are a number of things that it does but how critical is it in the right form in the body what does the body utilize it for 
And in Unlock the Power to Heal, the book that I wrote with Ty Bolger, and prior to that, of course, learning a lot about this through our dearly departed friend, Nada Doc Chris Barr, we learned that type 2 diabetes is primarily a gross deficiency of the mineral chromium. Why? And I describe it in the book this way. If you have sugar molecules, like say you eat carbohydrates, whether they be refined or other, you know, there's going to be sugar, forms of sugar that the body has to deal with. Now, in and of itself, the body is able to deal with it to a certain degree if the minerals are present. All right. So what happens is the insulin binds the sugar and then it's carried like on a semi-tractor trailer truck. All right. Here's the insulin carrying the sugar, the carbo. And it's like, go, go, go. All right. Now we get to where we want to offload it. And you get to the loading dock and you find out there are no dock workers present. So the truck is there going, how do we get this stuff off? Well, what is representative of the dock workers in the human physiology, the animal physiology? It's chromium, the chromium molecule. It's the mineral. Now, we can talk about trace elements like vanadium playing a role as well. I don't dispute that, but primarily a gross deficiency of chromium because in the last 100 years, they've ripped this mineral out of the food. Used to be a mainstay of whole grains, for instance, and they just refine the mineral out of that, give you nice, pretty white bread, wonder bread. Remember memory bread? You can squish it down this whole loaf and like, oh, look, it pops right back to where it was. Oh, awesome. And then if you're old enough like me, you remember taking out the the, the center of wonder bread, this white wonder stuff. It's like crack cocaine for kids. Unless it got wet. If it got wet, it turned into dough. Exactly. But we'd play with it and eat it because (laughs) it was like sugar. It was pure sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a wonder I didn't have diabetes, but I did. I was hypoglycemic as a kid, never diagnosed by doctors, but I couldn't go an hour or two without eating going, oh, I need to eat. And quite honestly, we talked psychiatrically. I didn't bring this up. In addition to most of the school shootings being done by people on various psychiatric medications, they were, in my mind, clearly hypoglycemic as well. That is when the uh, inability to deliver these to the cells, the energy it needs instantly then the higher brain is starved of what it needs to function. And so you get into lower brain realities, which knows not from right and wrong, only what it wants, survival, you know, fight or flight. And if you've had suicidal or homicidal ideations or tendencies and you're hypoglycemic, you can end up acting on that. You throw SSRIs into the mix. The governor is gone on your behavior. But uh, here I just want to relate that this idea of insulin resistance, I know why they say it. But if they were accurate, they would say chromium absence, because when you bring that chromium in and we use the 100% whole food form from food research, you can get that from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com, hundred micrograms, three, maybe four times a day. I've seen reversal after reversal, after reversal, after reversal of type two diabetes. And I'm not saying it's the only way to get there. I'll just tell you it's the fastest way. In addition, obviously eating better, no refined carbs, that kind of thing. But re- 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 replenishing the body of minerals that is lost suddenly, oh, the metabolism, knows, the cells know what to do. It's not resistant. It's lacking key minerals for full-on completion of tasks that the cells are designed by God to, to complete. So reversing type 2 diabetes, we got that down. Now, as a homeopath, I would use lycopodium and iris. Those are the two of my favorite remedies, most indicated for pancreatic issues, blood sugar issues. And I had success with that prior to learning of the mineral chromium in the right form because the chromium picolinate, the chromium polynicotinate, the chromium chloride are not the forms that have this massive impact of reversing type 2 diabetes. If it did, I'd tell you, yeah, it worked. Doesn't work. 
The right form makes all the difference. The 100% whole food form, 100 micrograms, three, maybe four times a day. So there, there's my World Diabetes Day reminder, courtesy of the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, everybody on brighteon.tv watching now, we've got a very special treat. If, if I remember correctly, if my memory's not too bad, I think we met like a week and a half ago at the Reawaken America Tour. Clay Clark invited me to speak, and there were some awesome people there. Simone Gold was speaking there about gold care and other things, and I followed her on stage, did my thing. And then I met Dr. Dana Granberg-Mill, and we talked, we talked. I'm like, oh, I want her on the show. And I think she's on the show. Are you on the show? Dana? Uh, yeah. Hooray. So am I, uh, am I imagining that we met there and we had a nice conversation behind in my booth? Am, am I? You are not imagining it. It really happened. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I want to say my heart went a flutter, but no, it was like a real great connection. What I call a heart connection. You talked to me about your brother who is a doctor of chiropractic. You as a physician opening up to viewpoints on medicine and health and healing and also the egalitarian nature of what I would like to see of all the healing professions coming together in the spirit of cooperation to help one another and to recognize that even though there's a place for modern medicine, particularly in emergency trauma interventions, much of what you learn in medical school is not supportive of human or animal health because it's not about supplementing that which is lost or removing that which the body doesn't need. So true. Um, I always say I kind of fell out of the matrix and I looked to the left and there just was not a lot of allopathic colleagues there with me. I've gone on to uh, meet other people in this freedom fight. It's that we're first in battle are the naturopaths, the homeopaths, the functional and physicians. And and so that has been just very um, eye-opening too. Dr. Dana, I'm going to ask that uh, Super Don, my producer, calls you on the phone because we're getting dropouts on your audio. Even though I'm, it's lovely to be able to see you. I know you just landed and you're in a hotel again. And yeah. I know I've been on that like for six weeks. I've been away more than I've been home. Glad to be mm -hmm. back in studio. And I definitely want to hear all your words. I want everybody to hear all your words, not just some of them. So if you don't mind, I'm going to have Super Don call you and we'll bring you back in via phone. Is that okay? Beautiful. Thumbs up. She's amazing. I want you to hear all that she's been through and what she's doing uh, because uh, there's some extraordinarily wonderful things happening and you don't hear about them often. Not certainly not from the lamestream mainstream media, but even in new media, often it's about all the bad things. And that's not what we're all about here. We'll acknowledge things that we don't like happening, but we'll always want to say, hey, and are there people doing better, know better and do better? Yes, that's what we're all about here at the Robert Scott Bell Show. Again, not naively in any way, shape, or form. I mean, phew, good Lord, do we know what's going on in a lot of ways. And yet at the Red Pill Expo, the speakers just nailing it to, to levels and degrees of, of research to reveal what they found. They go, I had a suspicion, but oh my gosh. Mickey Willis was great too. His uh, next documentary Plandemic 3 we got a sneak preview and they had to black it out for those watching online because they didn't want to get it out yet but for those that were there Plandemic 3 is sensational what we could see of it a lot of it featured G. Edward Griffin and his brilliant uh, perspective on what was happening in America way back in the 50s and 60s he's been at it for so long in addition a really fun thing that he's doing in Plandemic 3 is a part of it is a musical 
And it was just so much fun to see how that, how he, uh, transformed consciousness through music and, and dancing and, and all of that in a grocery store of all places with masked people and such. So that was really cool. I, that's just some of it. And, um, Dr. David Martin, of course, always brings it down to the levels and details. You're like, people were in awe jaws dropping in the audience as he was describing the entirety of, you know, the history of the banking system, how this was set up, what it's designed to do, all of that. And also what we can do to get beyond it. And what can we do to get beyond the current medical monopoly? Well, Dr. Dana Granberg, nil. Looks like we're, we got her back on by phone, Super Don. Is that possible? Or am I, I don't want to jump the gun, but I see the image you're working on. And I definitely want to get her on. Again, she's working with Simone Gold and the Gold Care thing. We'll talk about uh, her perspective, philosophy, what's developing, what's emerging. And I know she and Dr. Gold are not the only ones working on this. A lot of folks are, are figuring this out. I spoke with a number of physicians at the Red Pill Expo as well, all saying the same thing. We must set up a parallel system. This is more in line with the idea of rather than fighting the existing system, out creating it, doing something in integrity that makes the old system that's de decrepit and toxic and not functioning, at least to our benefit, make that system obsolete and you don't have to fire a shot. There's no violence involved. Withdraw consent, withdraw energy, withdraw money from those systems and create anew something that will actually work that has integrity and healing. Dr. Dana Granberg-Nill, are you back? I'm back. <laughs> All right. So tell can me what's you hear going, me? What, Yes, I can hear you now. Thank you. Uh, tell me what's okay. going on. What what did I miss? What am I what are we talking about here? What are you doing? Well, I I I will tell you exactly what you just said. We are trying to create a parallel society, even though I know Dr. Gold in her speech said, no, we are not trying to create a parallel society. We are trying to create a better healthcare system. And I, I know that for doctors like myself that have gone their own way, I guess, you know, I've parted from my allopathic colleagues and it was a lonely journey a little bit. I, I believe I talked to you a little bit about how I came to have my eyes opened. And one of the reasons that I found myself kind of flailing a bit as I exited the, the allopathic um, environment that I was in was because um, as I was speaking out, there was just no colleagues there to support me. I was greatly outnumbered and I was trying to speak to health boards and school boards. And um, as I departed a clinic that I had worked at for 20 years and been a part of building for 20 years, I just found myself feeling pretty alone. And um, Dr. Gold, I went to one of her book signing tours and she spoke. And at the time, I was just about ready to walk away, lose my job. And she just looked at me, kind of squared me up. I felt like I was being uh, given the one over there. And she handed me a card and just said, you'll find your people. And so as I came to be involved with America's Frontline Doctors and then subsequent, subsequently building the gold care system, I feel that um, it's just been nothing but a journey of friendships and finding like-minded colleagues. 
the beautiful part of it is it isn't just allopathically trained physicians. We have many homeopaths and naturopaths, functional and integrative physicians, and we will be working with other types of physicians as well. Um, It's not easy to do a chiropractic visit, for example, through telemedicine, but they can be part of our network of systems because the people that will seek us out will want to have access to all types of physicians. And um, some of my favorite people that I met along the way that I've connected with have not been allopathic. And I think it's because I've been opened up so much by my brother over time to um, other professions that have struggled. And now that I've had to be awakened to what's going on in the medical industrial complex, that's what I I call it. Mm. Um, It's just been very humbling to know that moving forward, there is no way that I will go back to practicing medicine in the way that I practiced it before. Mm. Um, I, I, I feel like that's one of the reasons why it's taken me so long to get my direct primary care up and mm-hmm. running because I've been learning all along, fine tuning, shaping the kind of practice I want to have on the side. I know exactly the niche that I want to fill in my uh, neighborhood. And it's basically the niche that 95% of my fellow practitioners are not filling for people. And what was so, it about, uh, Dana, uh, your brother, who's, uh, again, if I remember, you said he's a doctor of chiropractic and he mm-hmm. had, obviously you're, you're related, you grew up together. What was it, you know, along the way as you became a physician, a medical doctor, uh, that had the most impact or is it, was there one event or a series of events and communications? Was it only over the last two or three years of COVID or give us a little backstory? Cause everybody wants to know how did a doctor begin to see the, you know, expanded universe of healing and embrace it. And, and then it's a very warming and wonderful thing to see and witness. So a little bit more on that. Oh, I'd love to. So my brother used to live in Ohio and I was in Kansas city. And then when he moved back to Kansas city, he actually wanted to do an MD Cairo clinic. And, um, I, I, I just couldn't do it at the time because I was the mother of two young children. And of course, in my mind, we are basically indoctrinated into thinking you have to do medicine a certain way. And the thought of doing call seven nights a week, because I would not be, you know, my brother wouldn't be able to divide the call and all of that. Um, Shortly after he moved to Kansas City, he talked to me a little bit about the AMA and how they've been so destructive to chiropractic. And over time, I awakened to that. And I think I withdrew from the AMA um, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. I'm not sure now. I think the the number, the percentage of doctors, uh, Dana, on that, I think it's now under 20% of all doctors are members of AMA as of a number of years ago now. Yes. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, when I got turned into the boards, I got no support from the AMA. And frankly, I didn't get much support from my, you know, American Academy of Family Physicians, which I, I feel like no longer supports doctors like myself as well. Mm-hmm. But the true kicker with regard to learning about opening my eyes actually came when I was pregnant um, with my daughter. And so that would have been in 2003. 
Mm. And um, I had significant right upper um, back pain. And basically, as an allopathically trained physician, I thought maybe it's my gallbladder referring pain to my back. Maybe it's something with my kidney. The pain was pretty significant. It went on about four weeks. I told my OB, she kind of blew it off. It was the quote, aches and pains of pregnancy quote, which I knew it wasn't. I'm a physician. I know the aches and pains of pregnancy. Um, And, you know, so it was really just poo-pooed. And so I was just talking to my brother on the phone, and he was in Ohio at the time. Well, stand and by. we got to take a quick break on TV. It's a cliffhanger. We're going to find out what did her brother said that made this impact, the transition, <laughs> the transformation of Dr. Dana Granberg-Nil working with Gold Care. We'll be back after this on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Okay, what happens now, Dr. Dana, is that uh, our friends at TV they take a, a, like a two-minute break or so. We still are broadcasting live to our audience directly on my website and the various social medias that we haven't been banned on. Uh, so we can kind of chat a little okay. bit before it. We don't want to give away the, the, the uh, uh, what do you call the, the, the cliffhanger yet. When we all come back and they're joining us, then we'll come back to the story of what happened, which is great. Um, I'm going to ask okay. you also about Gold Care and, and Simone Gold. She put you in charge, I think, of kind of setting the, I don't know, the 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 how how this is going to function in terms of uh, physician support, et cetera. I mean, what is it that your your role is? Because uh, you were really developing a lot behind the scenes. Absolutely, yeah. I can I can definitely explain a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my hand in pretty much every aspect of gold care with regard to physician education, and we had. One really exciting change happened in the last 48 hours with regard to physician education. And, and you know, I'm trying to set forth member services. And it, it's really trying to lift off a huge plane. Um, we just have so many logistics to, to get going. And so that's what we're doing behind the scenes every day, just taking another step forward and bringing in physicians into the fold and educating them and creating an EMR that's pretty much proprietary. And so that's taking a little bit more time than we thought, but sure. doing things a little differently. Yeah. Very cool. You know, in my presentation at the Red Pill Expo, I went into some history. You know, we try to red pill people on history that we were not taught. And uh, one of the things I, I learned, you know, early on in my homeopathic days is there was a whole history of medicine in America that was erased, erased. Uh, and uh, Divided Legacy by Harris Coulter was the series of books that uh, began to re- restore my understanding of what was the medical, or what is the real medical history of America that involved a lot of homeopathy. Uh, in fact, you know, most mm-hmm. medical schools at the turn of the century were homeopathic, and then the Flexner Report came about. But it was interesting, in 1844, the uh, American Institute of Homeopathy was established. In 1847, the AMA was established to wipe out the competition and it took them a long time to do it into the 20th century. So here we go. We're about to be rejoined by our friends at brighton.tv. All right. Welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell show. We have a very special guest, Dr. Dana Granberg Nil. I met her a week and a half ago or so at the um, reawaken America tour with Clay Clark. And we sat and talked and I thought, my gosh, I can't wait to get you on the show. I was hoping to get it right then, but there was no internet. So we couldn't do it, but we're here now. And we were right on the edge of a cliffhanger, Dr. Dana, about, a conversation with your brother uh, based on, well, what you had experienced with another 
OBGYN doctor uh, and others that, uh, you know, would tell you, you have, you know, pains that you knew were not what they said it was and trying to figure it out. And uh, I guess your brother was on the phone talking to you about it. Sure. And uh, it wasn't just the OB. My primary mm -hmm. care physician had also sent me off for an ultrasound, which was, of course, negative. And so basically, they were suggesting just some Tylenol number three as needed. This was very painful, this upper right back pain. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to my brother 30 seconds into the conversation. He said, Dana, you have a rib head out of place. Mm -hmm. And he said, go to your nearest chiropractor. He will adjust you and you will feel immediately better. Now, mm -hmm. but at the time he told me this, it sounded just a tad bit too good to, to be true. I had suffered <laughs> right. with this for about six weeks. I'd had Come on, bro. Don't try to simplify it like that. It's got to be more complicated. Yes, it is. And and so he told me that. And, you know, as an older sister, I listened to my younger brother. I went to a chiropractor. He said, sure enough, that's exactly what you have. He even had a special table where my belly could go down there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was adjusted. And it was the first time in six weeks I didn't have the pain. Mm -hmm. I was so excited about this new development that I wasn't crazy. And I went back and I told my primary care physician who looked at me and actually made the crazy sign. Wait, 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 wait. He didn't said, say how wonderful it is that you got relief from a chiropractor. He didn't, he didn't applaud it. No, he <laughs> thought it was quote all in my head. Mm -hmm. And, um, didn't want to hear about it. And then I went to my um, OBGYN and she said, she literally said, oh, I don't want to hear that you got adjusted during this, <laughs> th during your pregnancy right. as if it would do. And I thought, wait a minute, you offered me Tylenol number three to take for pain mm -hmm. and a simple adjustment made me feel better immediately. And so I think that from that point, I saw a lot of things. One of them was just the self, I don't know, righteousness, the, the pedestal that sometimes allopathic physicians put themselves on. And instead of just, yes, it, mm -hmm. it was just very eye-opening for me, just what my brother had gone through. He had described those kind of things. And then to not only see it in firsthand, but to know that I, my brother explained it to me better than any one of the allopathic physicians. And because I was mm -hmm. gaslighted so badly by yeah. my primary care doctor, I called up one of my favorite um, pain management doctors. And she said, not only is your brother right, but she said, this is probably one of the most common things that I see that I wish primary care doctors knew. Mm -hmm. She said, a lot of times they come in thinking they're going to get an epidural for this pain. Wow. And she said, I simply either adjust them or send them to their chiropractor. She was a DO. DO, right. An osteopath. And so she, she knew how to do that. Yes. That's great. Yeah. I had. She uh, did. Uh, and go ahead. It was crazy. It was crazy. So it, it really opened my eyes to mm -hmm. not only the fact that my profession missed it, missed mm -hmm. it badly, that another physician in a different area of health uh, not only knew it, but he, he said, Dana, you know, as you're pregnant, you release these hormones to which your pelvic 
pelvis expands and mm-hmm. all those ligaments and, and soft loose. tissues expand. Yeah. And he said, it's the same thing that happens in your back. And so those rib heads can kind of, you know, slip out when you're waddling mm-hmm. around and you have a watermelon in your belly. It all made <laughs> perfect sense to me. And, and then I thought of it the other way. Here I am as a physician, and I knew in my heart it was resonating. And I thought, what about the patient that goes to their doctor and mm-hmm. and says, but my chiropractor helped me. And these doctors make them seem like what they've noticed is yeah. untrue or denigrate you know, somehow them. I mean, harming it, it, them. It's not uplifting. It's not a healthy relationship when you look down on somebody like that and and, you know, accuse them of engaging in witchcraft for getting well without their remedy, which is a drug that's quote unquote toxic to the liver. Tylenol, the number one reason why people check into the emergency room in the United States of America for acute liver failure, Tylenol. Now you, Tylenol 3, I think has additional ingredients. I don't know if that includes the codeine. What, What does the three include? Yeah, that's coding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some heavy stuff. I, I remember when I was a kid, I was raised pharmaceutically and medically, and they put me on that. I immediately vomited that stuff. I couldn't tolerate it. But again, I didn't know. No, my mom and dad didn't know it was so toxic to the liver. And as a homeopath, I might have seen you and said, Oh, is it the right side? Yeah, right side uh, back uh, between the shoulder blades. Is it high enough? I would say, Well, that's interesting. That's the chelidonium point which is indicative of liver congestion, which often happens during pregnancy as the body is uh, working hard, you know, to develop and keep pure, you know, that, that little baby developing in you. And I would have given a remedy like chelidonium. And also because I, I am married to a a doctor of chiropractic, albeit retired, uh, probably an adjustment as well. But that again is what we're looking for is the spirit of not only cooperation, but finding out what each profession, if you will, or what are they good at doing? And how can we work together rather than having not only a monopoly, but an arrogant monopoly that looks down, you know, turns their, you know, looks down their noses on you because you're not one of them. That, you know, arrogance is not the basis of good healing. And yet that has been the dominant, uh, predominant, if you will, manifestation in medicine because they've been granted special exalted status. And you didn't think it would play into the egos of those that ended up in that place unless their heart you know, was not corrupted by the training by Flexner Report schools to shut them down, and not only from their heart, the, the spirit side of things, the mind as well, but the, uh, I guess, making them forget why they wanted to become a doctor in the first place. Yes, it's it, it led to a real crisis when I departed and before I was full-time on with you know, trying to carry out the vision of Dr. Gold and the Gold Care Clinics, I had people beating down my door that, you know, had waited for me to open up a smaller DPC clinic. And I had a real crisis because once I saw what was going on with COVID and, 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 you know, we haven't even gotten into being reported to the boards for speaking out um, and trying to treat people with early treatment that I, you know, had done my research and was trying to do that. And I actually had three patients that were successfully treated with 
with early treatment. And then I was reported to the boards and nothing is more scary as a physician than the threat of your license. But when I left, I all, I almost didn't even want to open up the DPC because I questioned everything. Now I questioned, uh, diabetic care and how, how much in the allopathic world in, in primary care, for example, so much of what I was doing had gotten pigeonholed into almost what we call a pay for performance. We were kind of graded on how well we kept our diabetics with an A1C under seven and how, how well we did with keeping our blood pressure patients, you know, at a certain blood pressure level. And once I really found the corruption, not just in what was being put out by the CDC and such. But even within the journals, I was aware of the study that got withdrawn. I I saw not, I wasn't just reading the conclusion of these studies. I was looking at how they were set up. And, you know, some of these studies were set up to fail. They were set up to have a certain outcome. And yes, they retract the article a year later, but so much damage was done you can't undo that. And it led to, and it's continued to this day, um, even in gold care behind the scenes, we we constructed what we call a re-education manual. And so when our doctors come in and they are going through uh, the education or CME, and we're mm-hmm. still developing this program, but it, it let's say um, pneumonia is one of those. We have have literally from you know, natural remedies all the way up to allopathic. And it's not that we, we don't see a sick care model. We see a wellness model. And so in a way, what we hope is that when people are part of gold care and with their monthly membership, they do have free dietary classes. They have free movement classes. We have free spirituality classes for their monthly membership. And then their sick care is still going to be determined by that patient. So maybe they have a UTI and maybe they do want an antibiotic and an allopathic physician for that. But what our doctors will not have is we will not make money off of any product. So um, any prescriptions or what have you goes outside. So there's no pay for performance no conflict of interest in selling something a remedy perhaps and i think that is an interesting model as well Correct. Uh, although we've seen of yeah. course the, the physician community trying to find a way to uh, make money and i'm not opposed to people making money and earning a living honestly but we see that in the allopathic profession one unique uh, anomaly perhaps is the um, the cancer doctors the oncologists who actually yes. profit on the on the chemo that they sell to the patient, which is interesting. Um, also, what you described is interesting to me because it sounds like a deprogramming manual, right? From you know they have these thought forms. They come in and you got no, no, no. We're not doing that that way. Here's what we do. You know, for instance, you know I mentioned that my children have not been vaccinated. They never once had an antibiotic. Now, 22 and 17 years of age. Does that mean they've never had an infection? No, of course they've had infections but I've been able to navigate it safely without having to resort to an antibiotic drug. And that includes, you know, the use of homeopathy, the use of a bioactive silver hydrosol and different things that can address it safely. 
And if I needed or perceived the need for an antibiotic, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's a last line of defense instead of the first line, you know, if nothing else works. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if physicians aren't trained at the capacity that there are other substances on the planet that can be safely used to intervene before you need to resort to one, again, that's where we have to go deprogram. Let's give them some different education from what they learned in medical school. Yes. And I will tell you that the physicians that we are affiliated with that we hope will be part of every state through telemedicine. And then we will let brick and mortar clinics spring up where there is interest there and where there is a grassroots effort. You know, maybe there are three physicians in a small community in Arkansas and they pull in someone who says, I have this office and it's going to be low rent, et cetera. That's how the brick and mortars will spring up. But all of the physicians allopathically trained. And when I say physicians, I also am including the nurse practitioners and the physician assistants and that they all are craving the part of the education that not only were we not made aware of, Mm -hmm. but that you know, basically I think was undermined if and when you did learn any of this. My favorite thing that I have learned in being open-minded to this is I really think that in many ways, you all, because of the fight you've had to have since that report came about and since things started going more toward the allopathic, I think we have to right the ship. But one of the things that Dr. Gold said to me early on, and I, I really didn't know that I agreed with it, but as time has gone on, I do understand where she's coming from. She said, Dana, we don't want to swing too far to the right or to the left, because she said there are some naturopathic type options where they make a lot of money too off of supplements. And I'm, and for the allopathic doctors, we have to be careful that that doesn't include imaging and those kind of Mm -hmm. things. So we are partnering with other people so that there Mm -hmm. is no incentive for our doctor except to give true informed consent. And from your vantage point, Mm -hmm. true informed consent for even a bladder infection includes not doing an antibiotic. Yeah. Whereas in my practice for many years, that would have never been discussed. It's a slam dunk. You Mm -hmm. dip the urine, it's loaded with leukocytes, et cetera. You you give an antibiotic. It's not even a matter of if you will, it's which uh, one. You would hear from the board to say, well, if you don't do that, you're not practicing the standard of care. And that's an interesting statement that's because true. standard of care, if you if you pin them down and nail them to try to define standard of care, they'll never do it. I don't know if they can, but they'll yes. never do it. We just know what it isn't or, it, it, you know, they'll just stumble with it in the meantime. But it's all about how is your prescription rate going? If you drop it too low, we're coming after you. Uh, so it's a fascinating journey. You know what? Mm-hmm. That what you said there is just honestly, it's so key because when I, so let's say I didn't prescribe an antibiotic and I told someone to, uh, you know, drink elderberry juice or something like that. And they came down with, but, you know, let's say they went into pyelonephritis, then I could be sued. So the threat of litigation in allopathic medicine influences a lot of overspending. And so we are trying to equip our doctors with patients that come to us. We don't necessarily, we're not casting a wide net. We want patients coming to us that know that there's something better out there, that sees how broken our system 
system is. And at one point, you know, you have to give up the fight because something is so broken, you can't fix it. And that's what we did. We said, we're going to quit trying to argue with the insurance companies and big pharma and the CDC. We're going to go over here and be a light to patients who know that they cannot get what they're seeking because some of these people are just asking not to be lectured to about an mRNA gene therapy agent when they have a sprained ankle. (laughs) Literally, I had people, you know, just saying, since you left, I just don't even want to go into your office. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's been an incredibly difficult, but an incredibly beautiful journey. And I'm just Mm -hmm. so grateful that I'm surrounded by the, the, the clinicians. And that includes all clinicians. I'm learning so much more from those that I'm, that are not allopathically trained because well, and this is the thing we've witnessed, I've witnessed in the last two and a half, three years, the, I would say the inevitable evolution that would have to happen if we're, if we're to get, regain sanity and healing in that we would eliminate monopolies in monopolies. You don't have innovation. You don't have uh, affordability. You have increasing expense and inefficiency and uh, locking you into things that don't work, but that are profitable. And of course, disease creation and disease management is very profitable in the allopathic system. This is not an organically grown system. It's a system that was done artificially as we talk about the history that we didn't learn. Uh, You know, I mentioned uh, not only the Flexner Report, but the Divided Legacy Series, all the things I didn't learn growing up in a medical family, much less in a standard American government indoctrination institution, you know, kind of upbringing. Mm-hmm. Most of what I even after going through Emory University, going, everything I learned about healing, I ha- it happened after regular education all the way through university level. And so it doesn't mean that there's nothing that you can learn in, you know, medical school or name the school, but much of what they direct you toward is a system, as I said, of disease creation and disease management. So we are at a precipice at a crossroads, no doubt. The system, I think, will crumble in and of its own accord. We don't have to fight it. Doing what you're doing, what Simone Gold is doing, could facilitate or usher in or accelerate the demise of it because it makes the old system obsolete. Uh, and I'm interesting, interested to hear about what you said about Dr. Gold and not wanting to uh, profit off of the sale of products because, yeah, that's true in the natural realm in order to compete and, and, and profit well for some of these you know, non-licensed or, or natural uh, doctors. And I'm not saying non-licensed in a derogatory way. I'm just saying there's other aspects of this that they've facilitated the ability to hold, hold in their own uh, practice and facility. Here are the supplements you should be on, and I want to sell them to you as well, which, you know, if you were into kinesiology, uh, you know, applied kinesiology, AK, or, or muscle testing, I, I have a problem with that too because you have an incentive to, you know, test the muscles to say you need one of my products that I'm going to sell you and profit from. And I'm not saying everybody's trying to bilk people. I'm just saying there's an issue there. So I think it's important to to make that distinction and, and, and maybe a firewall there. I think it's an, it's a, uh, it's an interesting innovation. Maybe it's not an innovation. Maybe that's the wrong word, but I think it's a good thing to consider. Yes. I, and I think that we do believe in a capitalist society. No doubt. Dr. Gold believes in that. But one of the things that we just want to be careful of is that in giving true informed choice, Mm -hmm. you also give them true informed choice of the products that they buy. Now, we do feel like there's going to be a massive educational responsibility 
um, because not only are we asking, you know, physicians to basically only bill for the time and care, that face-to-face time, more, I guess, like almost an attorney would bill. It's the time with your physician because you're actually asking their expertise. They do not get any kickbacks from insurance. They do not get any kickbacks from radiology or any referrals that we give. And so, you know, the other thing is people do need to know that medical care is not free. As we move along this journey, we will utilize the the savings that we have in healthcare. A lot of this is being realized already by DPC clinics. We know that people are not aware of the savings that can be done uh, outside of the insurance industry. When I was first working on gold care and I told my husband what a monthly fee would be, he was like, oh my gosh. And I said, honey, we pay five times that right now to whichever insurance company, it will go unnamed. And I said, and then we still have our deductible. And I said, and what do we get for that membership? Nothing, nothing. And we're part of that system. So part of the education for our patients will also be extracting yourself safely out of the insurance industry Mm -hmm. and putting yourself into more of a cost sharing ministry, which, yeah. you know, will help cover those catastrophic events. Yeah, but, but it makes we're it trying... affordable too. Uh, the thing is thinking about yes, the insurance, people think, you can't exist without insurance. Like, no, in fact, when you have freedom and healing and, and you have a way to, you know, set up like even membership, a monthly thing, it becomes very profitable for the people that are working to help you, the doctors or clinicians, et cetera, and very affordable for the people needing the help. It's, it's a system that is proven to work and it's just, we've abandoned freedom and we've adopted a third party intervene system that limits your choice and what you want, the care you need perhaps, and has engaged in again, profiting off of perpetual disease management at best. It's, it's so true. And it's not just an education for patients. It's an education for physicians too, because we will, as we move forward, try and find a way to reduce malpractice premiums. We will try and find a way that um, one of the most disheartening conversations that I had, Dr. Gold helped me speak with a couple of physicians before we kind of move forward with this vision. And I remember one of them, an astute you know, businessman, and he just said, that's never going to work. If doctors can't profit off of the x-rays and this and that, that's just not going to work. And it was just really disheartening for me because I will tell you as the COVID thing unraveled and I, I saw, for example, I never really knew how much of the income of the average pediatrician, I didn't realize how much of that came from shots. Right. And my clinic, I told them I was the only one of seven uh, providers that what that was that didn't take the shot, number one. But I also told my office manager that if we brought those shots into our clinic, that I would not recommend it for anyone. I I just would not want to be any part of that. And because they were at that time, you know, if you would have been selected, our clinic wasn't selected. Thankfully, I do feel God's protection in that. 
but I laid it down, you know, at the beginning. I just didn't want to be part of any of that kickback part. We've seen uh, Paul Thomas, MD pediatrician, talking about it's it can be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to a clinic annually to hit certain goals, percentages of uh, patient population, pediatric, particularly with vaccine compliance, the full schedule. Uh, so conflicts of interest yeah. are extraordinary there. By the way, uh, as we wrap it up here with Dr. Uh, Dana Granberg-Nil, uh, we have links to Gold Care. We also have links to, it looks like your personal website, thehappycamperdoctor.com. I love that, thehappycamperdoctor.com. And uh, the wonderful things that you're doing. I mean, I, I sensed your heart immediately when we met, and I love your energy and what you're talking about as well is a very powerful, positive, creative solution that doesn't involve coercion and deception and force and fraud, but freedom and, uh, you know, phenomenal thing in freedom that can happen. Wonderful things can happen. In fact, the ability to afford what we call healthcare as opposed to what it is today is one of my slides was, you probably didn't see my talk. There's a question. What is the most dangerous thing you can have in America? And the next slide was the answer. Really good medical insurance. And uh, the people that get it, it's kind of funny, but it's also a tragedy. You know, if you have the best medical insurance money can buy, you will be poked and prodded and diagnosed with diseases you don't have, given drugs you don't need to give you 10 other diseases you didn't have to begin with to treat you with 10 other drugs for the things that the drugs caused in the first place. It's a disastrous system. Outside of acute trauma interventions, putting Humpty Dumpty back together again, putting soldiers on the battlefield that are wounded that would die, bleed out, healing them, helping them heal. Beyond that, modern medicine is a tragedy. And I, I'm not exaggerating. It has its place, but we must embrace the holistic ideals of people that have been doing this for thousands of years before there was a medical monopoly, before there was a flexion report, before there was doctor's license. And Dr. Dana, you are part of that, let's say, re restoration of real healing. And I appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. I, I just want to say one thing. My private um, website, mm -hmm. thehappycamperdoctor.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am restructuring um, the private-based organization, okay. PBO or PMA. And mm -hmm. so it, if if people try to get on there, it is a private membership. Okay. Um, well, we'll let them know. Yeah. Be patient there. It's a membership thing. We've got to take a break here. I'll be back with the bonus round. Thank you all for being here. God's honest truth. The power to heal is yours. Well, that show went awful fast, didn't it? I, I, I blanked and it was over. How did that happen? That's what we're back in studio, cranking up broadcast. Brideon.tv thing seemed to go off without a hitch today, Super D. I think we're getting better at it. And we were able to recover an interview that might not have worked because of the generosity of Jonathan E. Mord for your board and some of our awesome listeners for mine. And uh, we got uh, Dr. Dana on. That was amazing. We did. Yeah, I'm still a little clunky on it, but it's uh, <laughs> scramble, scramble, scramble. But uh, yeah, I mean, how cool is it that we're able to do that now? Yeah. I mean, there's literally no reason why we shouldn't be able to do an interview now. In the past, we had, you know, reschedule, 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 or it just never happened or whatever. Yeah. So. No. Very cool. I think we did it. And also, you know, the first hour, just as a, a debrief on the show, we talked briefly about it when we opened up the, the show in second hour. Uh, having someone on with whom we don't fully agree on everything 
is even though that's not the nature of the show where I want to get into arguments, but to be able to talk about the disagreements and, you know, have respect within, within that conversation and, and then cover other topics of interest. Uh, again, I, I love being an example that that can be done. Like the thing that is not happening because of cancel culture. What about the people that said, Robert, I can't believe you had a, a person. That, that Did we have anybody in the chat room say that? Chat, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I I'll think probably, people are mature. Like emails on in our yeah, we'll make an email for somebody. But yeah, no, how yeah, dare no, you? It is. You said that. How listen, dare you have somebody on we disagree with? I can't listen to your show anymore. Yeah, but it, that was a, a great conversation also with Dana and her perspective, and and we get a little bit of insight into Doctor Simone Gold, what she's trying to do. Um, you know, I, I think if she's hired somebody on like Dana, that's a great sign. Uh, we'll see a lot of these projects are you know, going to stop and start and stumble because it is almost creating the healthcare system anew from mm -hmm. disease creation and management to real, you know, supporting those that want to, to get well through different mechanisms to have all of these things available. I'm not opposed to that. Mm -hmm. We're a freedom people. We're not saying ban everything. It's just about, Hey, where are the fr options and freedom to do all the other things that people maybe, maybe they don't want to do your drugs and your shots, which is clearly happening. So Good for those folks out there, and there are many of you doing that. Indeed. <sighs> Any other comments, questions that we missed? I think we missed the Kentucky Fried Chicken story. <laughs> I don't know if we want to cover that or not, but uh, that's up to you. Okay. I, I just—it was one of those things I came across it, and I was just like, "Oh, my camera just froze." Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, it was just, it was one of those things where um, it, you just kind of shake your head and you go, "Is this real?" Mm -hmm. I, did, did you want to cover it? Well, it it is kind of interesting when you know somebody at corporate says, thinks it's a good idea to like send out a celebration. We're going to do a special deal on a particular holiday that is uh, honoring a disastrous massacre of people, uh, attacks on a people. And go, yay, hey, because of this night, this day, this anniversary, 84 years ago, this happened. And uh, because of that, we got a special deal on Kentucky Fried Chicken Buckets. That's not a good idea. Now, what am I talking about here? What what uh, holiday was this? It, apparently, it was Kristallnacht uh, out of, you know, 1938. Now, for, for, for those of the, and I did, I, you know, for a long time, I didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. I, I know what it is now. Yeah, I mean, but if this was like, like Jewish years ago when I first it, heard, right? heard it. I was kind of like, what Super is that? Don, right. You hate the what Jews. What is Kristallnacht, Robert? That's what I'm just. I want to establish your bono. You're anti-Semite. You hate Jewish people because you didn't know about Kristallnacht. I'm saying I know what it is now. Years ago, when I first heard it, it was yeah. I was just kind of like, "What is that?" You know. Yeah. Well, you had you know this is the 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 real ramping up from the beginnings of not of Nazism to vilify and ostracize and demonize and dehumanize the Jews in Germany. Uh, there was a point, you know, they're blamed for all the ills, all the things that went wrong. This was the beginning of them uh, going after the Jews initially, correct? Yeah, it's called the night, of, the night of Broken Glass. Right. And they said, oh, this is the KFC uh, tweet, commemoration of Kristallnacht. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Treat yourself to more soft cheese and crispy chicken now at KFC <laughs> Cheese. I mean, like, what? Yay! What moron put that out? Happy Kristallnacht. Uh, is, are we supposed not to eat good... chicken on, on Kristallnacht? Isn't that right? Was this Kanye West doing that? I don't know. I uh, don't know. About no, an hour later, another message was blasted out saying, oops, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, we are very sorry. We will check our internal processes immediately. 
so that this does not happen again. And was an apology. Mm-hmm. Please excuse this error. Like, you know, I, I'm not saying that KFC hates Jewish people because that's not, we're not reactionary like that. I was no. teasing about Super Don. But no. it, the thing is, somebody, probably a low-level employee or maybe somebody in marketing. Well, I'll said, tell hey, you, well, here's, here's the explanation, okay? okay? The explanation is that they have this handy-dandy computerized automated thing that they tie to a calendar mm-hmm. that will um, have you know, national observances on it in Germany. Okay. Right. Okay. So, uh, apparently this, this calendar thing that they linked this automated system to aside from things like Christmas, right. Or new years and stuff like that on this calendar thing, it had on there a national observance of the, you know, the, the, the commemoration of the memory of, of yeah. the crystal knock. Mm-hmm. And so it just got plugged into their computer system. So it, you know, came around yeah. to being that day and the mm-hmm. system said, Oh, it's a holiday or it's a national observance. We'll so send throw, out a promotion to get the, people to eat Kentucky fried chicken. They throw the programmer under the bus. They probably never thought to say to the programmer, make sure it's a holiday. That is, you know, something aligned with, you know, a happy thing to celebrate. Yeah. Right? Maybe yeah. something that's appropriate for, yeah. uh, on for Holocaust Remembrance Day. We want to, no, don't send out a free bucket of chicken. <laughs> that's not a good, no, that's not a good way to do business. So, Ouch. Um, yeah. Man. Yeah. You remember those buckets of chicken? I remember we grew up, um, KFC was one of the things we did. I was a fast food nation kind of kiddo in, mm-hmm. our, in our family. And something about that original recipe, I do remember it was like- 11 herbs and spices? It was addicting. And I'm thinking one of them had to be MSG. I don't know for sure. Well, yeah. And I've heard different things over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what's been confirmed or what hasn't. It's been Wonder yeah. Bread on the crust. They have a way of preparing their chicken where they like they like soak it or brine it or, or something like that before they, they cook it. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. But, I mean, it's just – it was inevitable at some point that if you had a party with your friends mm-hmm. and the parents bought KFC, there was always that one guy that wanted to go along and, and like, eat all the skin off the chicken. Right. No. It was right? The crust, the right. crispy. Oh, right. man. Yeah. And then the right. extra crispy came out. You remember when that? And it was yeah, like no, – I, I wasn't – Yeah, I wasn't – it's like this doesn't taste good. Give me that. I right wasn't there. a big fan of the extra crispy because it was just like really hard. You know, I, I wanted the flavor and stuff. So yeah, exactly, it didn't have original recipe was always my choice, and the yeah. gravy. The gravy was great too, mm-hmm. with the potatoes. And I'm hungry now. Oh yeah. Now again, I'm talking about something I would not eat today from a factory <laughs> farmed KFC chicken place. That's not, no. but I'm just, we talk about our upbringing and what we went through and what we've gone beyond at this point, I hope. And uh, we ate last night. It was a great, great post red pill expo meal. Oh. Shout out to Charlie, our buddy, Charlie. And Kevin was there. Scott Sherrill was there. Uh, let's see who else was there. Uh, Peter Glidden, an attorney that has worked with a lot of people, including Sherry Peel Jackson to help develop programs to, reduce liability at the end of the year to save a lot and stop feeding the beast so much. Uh, let's see who else did we have there? His friend ramen who imports an incredible organic extra virgin olive oil from Spain. That is to die for or to live for depending on your perspective. And we had that with their, at this place called Pago. Apparently there's two of these farm to table restaurants and they had a sourdough bread that we dipped this, uh, into the olive oil. Oh, it was heavenly. It was so good. I got to find out the olive oil name and how to order it because I want to tell you all about it. Dude, it's not cheap, but it's the bomb when it comes to olive oil. And it's, there's a lot of fake olive oil on the market. This is amazing stuff. 
Uh, also, let's say who else was there? Oh, Dr. Carrie Made went with us to dinner. Carrie, she's an absolute angel. Her talk was just beautiful, wonderful, and also uh, t- difficult because she talks about transhumanism and all of that. It's hard for everybody to, you know, go, Ooh, I don't want to know, but she's just an angelic kind of energy that she has smile that lights up a room. Carrie Made was wonderful. Uh, let's see who else do I, we have there at that one. Uh, Doug and his friend Veronica and farmer Brian, who we should be doing some um, taping, filming or whatever they call it. Maybe even after the show today, as we put on his super soil uh, in our greenhouse beds and our, in our uh, outdoor beds for next year, particularly to see what we can grow differently. Cause he has got some amazing soil that remember folks is we, we want to grow super food. You have to have super soil. And Super Don, you revealed last week that Super your Don followed the super was, soil. Was growing some super weed in that raised bed garden of yours before you got there. And that's why you had like well, tomatoes exploding. Te- oh. Technically, yeah. nobody was growing any super weed, but the soil came from okay. uh, the place uh, where where uh, the, the cannabis growers go to get the good soil. Okay, it came from the same oh, soil base. Yes. So, but it, it, you wouldn't be in trouble, or your landlord wouldn't, because no, it's no, okay. no, no, no. I'm just yeah. saying. I knew, I knew the people that lived here, yeah. in the in this house before we yeah. moved in here, and so, yeah. and they, they, they didn't grow. They, they had a, a vegetable garden out there. Okay, very yeah. nice. So, super soil, and so we'll talk about that as well. Yes. Uh, there's some really cool stuff. There's the, the exhibitors were all amazing. Some of the doctors that that I met and and heard lectures from were amazing. I want to get uh, Alfonso Monzo. Isn't that a great name? Dr. Alfonso Monzo. Uh, he was terrific. I mean, he went into correcting a lot of the uh, uh, technology that they're injecting into people, neutralizing it. Um, I want to get him on the show sometime soon as well. And there's some other awesome people. Seriously, the people that are drawn to the Red Pill Expo are not cowards. They're not whiners. They are the you know the ones that are really out creating the bad guys going forward and, and doing wonderful work. In fact, there was a, a next to me where there was a company that does the the blue light blocker type glasses, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna show you on the air. I'll be wa- wearing some different glasses soon, uh, okay. but they're awesome. I was trying to like, dude, this is amazing. So blue blockers are cool. Yeah, I blue blue bonk. I remember first hearing about blue blockers back in the '80s, mm-hmm. and there was like an infomercial that used to come on at night for blue yeah. blockers, and uh, I, I did have a pair at one time, and they're they're amazing. Dude, they I truly put them are. on. I put yeah. them on in that venue and I'm like, my eyes went, oh, it was like, oh, yeah. oh, it's like when I spray silver hydrosol into my eyes and I'm like, ah, oh, it was yeah. amazing. So I, I'm going to be, we'll be talking about that as well. Oh, also, uh, thanks to Thomas or my buddy. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to, to promo this. I mean, it, I don't like to do self-promotion so much. Um, at, you know, I'm MC and I sp- spoke at it, but our health freedom coin, uh, commemorative coin. Oh yeah. Um, you, some of you guys have gotten it. You could take pictures of that. It comes in a beautiful little thing. It even comes with a little, there you go. Super Don has it there. The truth will set you free on one side. One ounce, uh, pure three nines, fine silver. And without health freedom, there is no freedom. This is kind of a fundraiser, but it's not the kind where you're just, here you go, which is nice because we were able to get these boards, but it's like you have a commemorative coin, a limited edition coin as well. 
Um, this is not a, a, a numismatic, I don't think, what they would call that, the technical term. But I have it in my hand, too. And I want to get one for Super Don soon. But it's beautiful. That's so cool. I was it's so going to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to like. Well, just you hold it and cherish it. It's amazing. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that, Super Don has a link up in the uh, on the show in the robertshabbell.com website. It's on, it's, yeah, it's on the website on the right-hand side where most all yeah. the, the other banners are. Yeah. And it's a commemorative collective coin that is is an investment in us. And you get something for it. Uh, so it's a kind of way to support our efforts, too. For those of you that also want to, hey, it'd be nice if I give you guys something and I get something, too. That's There it is. Super Don has it. You just click on that and, and get those. Uh, and the Robert Scott Bell Health Freedom Commemorative Silver Round. So if you guys want to do that, uh, again, it supports us. Dude, and you know what? How about a cool gift for somebody for the holidays, right? Yeah. There you totally. go. It's a collectible. It's a limited edition. So um, there you go. Thank you, uh, Thomas Butler, for helping set that up. Uh, let's see what else we got here as we're wrapping up today's broadcast bonus round. What's going on in the chat room? It's pretty quiet there. Y'all y'all have had enough? You done? You're like, whatever. I saw Bolden's there. Do, hey, uh, you know, as we mentioned, condolences to to Michael Bolden. I think uh, I remember reading his father had passed away He's recently. Dead. I think he went up to Milwaukee area where he used to live. And I don't know if you're back, Michael, but we'd love to have you back on the show when you have availability. And if you're not already getting Tenth Amendment Center communiques, you must do that. Simply must do that. It's extraordinary. Uh, the things that Michael Bolden and the team, the little Tenth Amendment Center that could continue to do. Uh, so... Bolden, let us know when we can get you on the show. Even by phone, if you want to do it by phone, now that we can. That's true. Yeah. Less commitment, right? You yeah, could be out um, taking pictures of your on. avocado toast and be on the phone at the same time. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Cleo says, woohoo, I need that coin. Cleo, we'd love to have you get that. Thank you for supporting us to do that. <sighs> All right. All right. How about a quick poll today? Yeah, what's the poll of the day? I, didn't, I haven't even poll seen it. Poll of the yet. day. I don't know if you've seen, but man, it's just, to me, everything that I'm reading, it looks like they're getting closer and closer. And now, especially after the election, mm -hmm. with the lack of the red wave that so many people were, were expecting. Oh, wait, hold on a second. I just, you said poll of the day and something, a memory flashed from this weekend, Red Pill Expo, before we get to the poll question of the day. Sherry Peel Jackson. Squirrel. Yes. Yeah. Sherry Peel Jackson, who we had on last week. Former yeah. IRS agent. She was in prison. She came out and she's been helping people, a lot of people. And she knows my buddy Peter Glidden and everything. And it was great to see her. She's a she's a man. She's a warrior. She's tough and she's smart and she's all of that. We love her. And she was talking about, you know, starving the beast. As I mentioned, you know, we talk about how do you overcome cancer? Do you have to go on a full out assault and attack and kill cancer? No, you can starve it out. A much more peaceful way to do it doesn't involve violence. And, and she's talking about starving the beast that is the federal government by reducing your liability to you know almost nothing. So everybody starts their own business and on and on, deduction, deduction. She's talking about that. And at one point she says she even helped somebody who put in a deduction for breast augmentation. In other words, boob implants. No. Now, I am not endorsing boob implants. We talk about explants, right? <laughs> Removing them because they're not good for your health. But the IRS apparently said, nope, you can't have that deduction. You owe us that money. And she went into tax court and fought it and won. Hmm. She won. She got a deduction for breast implants. And you're thinking, well, how is that a legitimate? What kind of job did she have, I wonder? Well, she was 
an aging pole dancer. Okay. Well, there you go. And, and she's like, I have to compete. I'm not, a, I'm not as young as I was before in order to get the tips that I need to get. I need bigger. You know what? So she won the deduction in tax court. I thought that was, so that's why the poll question, I had to. Ah, uh, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So now I you may go to hole and, and you thought boobs. P-O-L-E. I went right to that. Just right like that. to boobs. It, it, right. it was Sherry Peel Jackson's fault. She brought it up. <laughs> it was very funny. All right. <sighs> okay. Carry on, my friend. Go ahead. Anyway, so I don't know if you've seen, but there's a lot of talk. It's It seems to be getting more and more serious here about the possibility of uh, Trump getting indicted. Mm-hmm. They've been working on on trying to put together a case for, on him for, for a while now. Okay. So I just... <sighs> This dang camera. Camera froze. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I, I see thought. The question of the day. All right. Yeah. Hold I want to see the answers. That, that threw me off. Anyway. Okay. So I just asked a simple question. Yeah. And I asked this question once before. Okay. And I think the the uh, the results were different. I have to go find the old one. Uh, but I think well, that the the results were a little bit different than what we what we're going to see here uh, for today. But I'll just ask you: Do you think Trump is going to end up being indicted? Well, based crime. on all the, the press and, and play, I think that more people are going to answer this to say, yes, they think he will be indicted, whether it's legitimate or not, than, than before. That's my sense of where the trend is. Ooh, look at this. No. How about, I was wrong, how about, how about no? 50% said no. 50% said no. And, and 30 14% yes. And, and a healthy second place there at not 30, sure. Not sure, yeah. Which I can, I can, I can, I can uh, respect that. So do you think uh, the last result, just from memory, not that you have it, uh, how do you think the response was different than before? I think there were less not sures, and that, that would make sense oh, okay. at this point. Okay. Um, well, I read that one wrong. I, I didn't get that one right. Yeah. What do you think personally? Man, I, I, I think they desperately want to. It's clear, you know, the Dems that are in charge want to do that. Um yeah. You know, I'm in the not sure category. Uh, let's just put it that way. I'm honest. I just don't know. Okay. All right. I know no, a lot, I think, but I don't know I that. I think you would have been more inclined back in the day when I originally did this, you know, maybe yeah. like a year ago or something like that. Yeah. Would have been more inclined to say no. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of things that have changed. And, I, you know, I got kind of yelled at. Did you? Uh, the other day when I was talking about Trump and I made the the uh, the claim. Yeah. That he is not as popular now as he was before mm-hmm. um, within the Republican Party, and I got somebody. I think it was on Rumble. They they yelled at me like, "What are you oh, talking really? about?" You know, uh, I mean, not in a mean way, but I mean, just yeah, going. Yeah. You know, they were they were being nice, but uh, okay. you know, they were they were saying, "What do you mean he's not popular?" I just saw, uh, you know, the rally that he was at the last couple of rallies, and there was a bunch of people there and stuff like that. And, and you know, it's like, okay, that's true. He can still pull in people at a rally. But when it comes to, you know, there's a big difference between having a rally and uh, winning a national election in the situation that we're at now. What we're seeing now and what we're going to see in 2024 is not what was going on uh, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've got a split that did not exist back then. Okay. The, uh, I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, the, the Republican Party is, it's fractured. Mm. It is. It just is. You know, well, and, and, and we look at the, you know, the other thing about the red wave not happening. It's not like, uh, you know, every Democrat, I'm sorry, Republican candidate was like, you're fired. I mean, who was fired up in, in Pennsylvania about Dr. Oz, really? 
seriously, even with yeah. all the persona, it wasn't like people were like, oh man, Oz is the best candidate. There were not a lot of people voting for Oz yeah. as, as there were people voting against the Democrat. And that that's kind yeah. of just, you know, unfortunately, that's just where it was. Oz He's kind of sucked on candidate. the campaign trail. His wife would have been better. Yeah. He was not the same guy on the campaign trail that you saw on TV. Well, he was kind of boring. He was, he was kind of a cookie believe. cutter, unfortunately. I, I think that he's, he sold out to be on TV. So the question is, what is his level of integrity? And I think there were questions about that. What does he really believe? Yeah. So if you're not who you really are over many years to be a great big TV star, it's not going to go. See, with Trump, whether you like him or hate him, you know who he is. Is there a mystery about who Trump is and what he's all about? I don't think so. Not so much of a mystery with him. So people also, you know, responded to well, that. I can tell you what really has hurt him recently was him going after DeSantis the way that he did. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that was a dumb that was a dumb move, a bad mistake on his part. And a lot of people that have been been uh, rooting for Trump up until then now are just kind of like, okay, yeah, now you know this is that's just too far. That's that's enough. Mm-hmm. And so the more he seems to kind of be pushing back against people within his own party, mm-hmm. the more he's doing damage to his prospects of being able to win. And at this point, uh, if he were to run, you would, I, I don't see how he would win. And all he would do is, is hurt the Republican nominee. Yeah. Well, look, I was surprised he won the first time. So I, so uh, you're implying what, that you think he would win another, again? I, I, you know what, this is where I go in the election thing. I, can, I can't even predict anything. I was certain that he was going to win the second time around because of all of, you know, look, people didn't like Trump, but dude, come on, really? This other guy? And, and of course, I still, I still, uh, you know, then they'll call us election denier. I'm like, dude, uh, there's some serious mess ups in certain areas that are still happening, I believe. I'm not saying it's all fraud, but dude, the voting system, if, if we go back to that basic state, you know, there are people that are counting, they're saying that we need to go back to paper ballots. What do you think about that? At this point, I agree. I think anything you think computer so? is hackable. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think that going back that's, to that old system where you are, people are saying we need to go back to paper because there's less possibility of, uh, irregularities. The then you get hanging ads. Of voting to send people into a system that is so corrupt they don't even know it. That, again, this is why I do support and endorse 100%, 110%, in fact, to get Jonathan Ebord in the U.S. Senate in two years from now. Get him over the hump, y'all. He's close, and I'm going to be out there. I think we're going to make the announcement. We, I, I'm going to be there anyway to cover it. That happens the 8th, 9th, and 10th of uh, December in Virginia. But there's a guy that is under no delusion about the oligarchy that controls things and would do everything at that level right? to, to make a, a real change, not just, oh, I'm a politician, you know? And he's not like a guy who says, I'm not a politician, I've never run, even though he can say that, and it's true. He's not saying that to go, uh, yeah, I'm making that up so you'll vote for me. It's like, it's true. He's not. This is what he, he knows. So there is even within that beast uh, opportunities to make some changes. But if you go back to the history of the corruption and the deception and the capturing of our, our government, man, it's bad. We know. And uh, pretty much everything they do is unconstitutional. Having people up there that say, you know what? Everything up here we do is constitutional. Let's just stop it. We need more Ron Paul's more people of that character. Yeah. I don't know how possible that is, but I now, still how bad I, does it have to get before. I still you know, believe right. that. If you got the right person 
uh, independent, yeah. you know, outside of the two party system uh, that that would run. I I I still believe. Maybe maybe I'm just you know, maybe it's a pipe dream. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I st- I truly believe that it can happen because it's come very yeah. close. Yeah. All right, y'all. I got to take a break, and y'all are being quiet in the chat room. So uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I've got to go get my daughter from school and. We'll be back less than 22 hours from now, God willing. And maybe we'll get some video clips of uh, uh, putting some of the super soil on uh, later today or tomorrow morning, maybe, and start growing some even more stuff, whether it be through the winter in the greenhouses or next spring. Uh, But the soil is everything, y'all. Get it ready. Prepare it over the winter. Get those beds uh, taken care of. And uh, we'll be back with more powerful healing and growing on the Robert Scott Bell Show, starring Super Don. Yay. And your super soil. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow.